0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Sticker Load. They are a company that provides a variety of sticker packs that would appeal to whatever you're into. They have given a promo code I would like to share with you guys. If you head over to StickerLoad.co, you can enter the code, all caps, lswh 10 to receive 10% off your order. And today, I'd like to do a giveaway. If you tag five friends on our Instagram page, your name will be included in a drawing to receive a free sticker pack. This is Let's See What Happens. A free-form discussion to talk about anything and everything. If you don't want to be offended, don't listen. If you do want to be offended, there's a good chance you will be. I hope you like this one. Let's see what happens. Uh, I did listen to our first one that we did together the other day because i kind of wanted before i sent you the questions i was like i had some questions and i was like ah i don't remember which ones we covered because i don't know if you remember last time we had stopped the recording because uh some packages were being delivered and then when we tried to restart it it like it cut some some of it cut got cut off yeah so um I'm just gonna close I, these
1: slightly, so yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm, try, I'm trying, to look at you in the face. Oh, I got you. Yeah, you're I good. Light behind, so I'm but, only seeing this uh, uh, lights.
0: Oh, trust so. me, you don't want to, you don't want to see this ugly mug, anyways. Oh, gosh, but uh, uh, no, I was.
1: So, so I
0: went back and I wanted to listen to some of it again to make sure I didn't. We didn't necessarily go over the same stuff, you know. Went over some new things. Okay. But uh, uh, one of the main ones that I thought was funny that I had written the question down. Uh, before listening to that podcast again, which anyone who hasn't listened to it, I believe it was episode eight with John. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that one first, it'll kind of give you more of a background on John and, uh, what we talked about in that first episode. So we're not covering the same stuff. But, uh, one of the things that you did mention was the camaraderie on SWAT, uh, back in the day and how we have it now. And I had already written the question prior to that about, uh, SWAT camaraderie and like, why, why do you think it's not as, uh, as prevalent in all of law enforcement? Because you mentioned in that first episode, ironically enough, you said like out in California, it seemed like being a cop was a lot more like everyone was kind of, Hey, you got, you know, the, whatever you want to call it, thin blue line, but more people seemed to be more like about each other, taking care of each other than, When you came here, you know what I mean? Like, it just, do you think it's over time that has changed?
1: And. Wow, gosh, we could do a whole show on that question. We really could, because you can break it down into several different things. I, I think um, at least for me one of the first things that I noticed when I went uh, to work for the sheriff's office down here is of course you know you take your cars home and so you sign on to the computer in your driveway and then you go to work and you you know you drive en route to your to your zone to, to work your zone right. so you don't have um, you know 15 guys down in the locker room changing out of you know shorts and a, and a t-shirt into you know Kevlar and right you know, and a, and a, a LA blue, uh, you know, wool shirts and everything. And then, you know, putting on your Sam Brown, um, and, going up to the squad room and then having, you know, two sergeants and a lieutenant. The Sergeants, of course, are given the briefing. And then, of course, you know, if you have a sergeant in there that found a personality laying around someplace in a parking lot and brings it to work and then he can make, you know, yeah. decent by talking to the guys and not talking down to them. Um, my intention in those last four years when I was a sergeant is I wanted to send the guys out with a good attitude every day. And no matter what kind of abusive crap came down from up above from the administration, generally out of touch, not always, but generally out of touch, I would try to sandwich that in, in between some good stuff so that the guys would—I mean, I, I never understood the, the, the rationale to send guys out on the street. With a bad attitude, because that's just going to increase your complaints. Oh, Send yeah. them out happy, right. so they have a, a you know a good outlook at the beginning of the eleven-hour shift. <laughs> so down here, we didn't have that um, that whole uh, camaraderie that you get from a briefing, and that's yeah. one of the things my son was aware of that very much so because he sat in briefings many times when he was a police explorer and he saw that and of course he can contrast it with down here and i think that's one of the things that uh, law enforcement in other places and not that there's anything wrong with it but when you're not exposed to that yeah you you know i mean if if you've never eaten vanilla ice cream you don't know how good it can be and so it's kind of one of those things um at least in california because in my generation i obviously started in the 70s there were there were 10 openings at modesto pd in 19 when i tested in 1977. And there were like three hundred some people that applied. Mm. And so your the competition was rather you know, it was rather stiff, you know. I mean there were a lot of oh, guys who yeah. wanted the job back then. Different little bit now. And a lot of guys in my generation, you know, you kinda had that calling where you want to do it. There's still guys like that today, probably guys that are listening to this podcast that have that calling where it's not like working at seven eleven or, you know, Costco or you know, the Ford assembly line, you know, in in Dearborn or something. But um, I think there's probably been a little bit of a change over the years where it's not as much of a calling as it used to be. Um, But the camaraderie for us was because we were disliked. And down here, it's different. You guys are not disliked like we were in California. Oh, okay. You would never take a black and white home if you lived in Modesto. Right, uh, because if you parked it outside, it would be destroyed the next day. Oh, I mean, wow. they break the windows or graffiti it or you know, it uh, they they trash it. So, and plus, we didn't have the budget like you know they have in Florida. Right, you know, you, you you switched cars. You know, you had a car partner, and hopefully, he didn't leave. You know cups of chewing tobacco <laughs> and spit oh, and, and, yeah. and crap like that so you would switch cars and and you know you. Uh, what I would look for is I would look for the piece of crap car in the back of the parking lot yeah
0: that's a, yeah, you know, I remember uh, you saying that yeah, just it is, clean it yeah, up yeah then I
1: would start driving oh, yeah. it I'd take it you know, I'd detail it out I'd <laughs> use about you know six jugs of uh, that those uh, you know alcohol wipes yeah. get all the crap out of there that some guy left in there and then pretty soon somebody would find it hey what, what's Bueller driving oh he's got that car over there and then you know they'd find it and then it crashed <laughs> Then right. to move on to the next. <laughs> but getting of back to the real question, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the camaraderie in law enforcement was something that is, um, it's really difficult to transition to retirement because you miss that. Mm. Um, I miss it a lot. I miss it to this day. I, I'm probably one of the few guys that wishes he was still working because I just loved that job. I, I, um, the people I worked with were fantastic, not all, but the vast majority of them were great guys, just like you guys, when I worked, you know, those 15 months, you know, with the the crew down here. um, I I was really surprised, because I didn't think I would ever find the caliber and the quality that I worked with in California, but they're right here, and you're working with them every day. And I was just, I, 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 just great guys like the free ammo and then of course you want to learn tactics so that you can be better when you're working the street and that I mean really pretty much for me is you know so you can survive um I some people oh you know SWAT's so dangerous and you know all that and you know and I don't throw much water on that fire I let them believe what they want but in reality SWAT's probably the safest assignment in the police department or in the sheriff's office I because you have the best training the best gear you have time on your side you can plan things it's not like walking up to a car on I-75 in the middle of the night, not right. knowing what's on the other side of that tenant window. Exactly. And so that camaraderie from the training, you know, when you think about the years that go by and all the different training that you do together, and, you know, you guys go up to Camp Blanding or whatever yep. it is, or Landing, yep. Blanding, something Blanding, like that. Yep. Um, you know, we used to go to Fort Ord down in Monterey. And, you know, you spend a week, you know, at the days in, and I don't know what your training schedule is, but ours was from noon until like 11. Answer. We
0: usually, we go all day. We stay in the barracks. We stay in like, we sleep in the barracks. We oh, don't That's yeah. oh,
1: big camaraderie uh, there. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, uh,
0: listen, a lot of people, so there's, a, there's a few guys on the team that are former military and they're kind of like, all right, I already did this little GI Joe game. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> over this sort of thing, but it really is. I mean, we have a great time because honestly, obviously, like I, I think we discussed this before. If I if it was full time if there was a full time SWAT team I would want to be full time SWAT oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, it's not so when we have a week long of just kind of getting to train and then it's weird because when we have our week long trainings that are st- where we stay in Sarasota and we go home every night um, different it's definitely different because again you're you you bond a little bit with the guys after the training's over right. But the funny part is, is I think, cause sometimes I, and I think this goes for like military guys as well is the reason you bond so well with those guys is because you're dealing with the same bullshit together. Like right. the sh- you're in the shit and like, sometimes it can literally just be like, it's, you guys know you're done on Friday. It's Thursday. You're at the mess hall. The food sucks. And you're like we're all in it together like the food sucks for all of us like we've all we're all eating the same crappy food we've all been crapping our brains out all week we've all been sleeping in the same like that is the bond like so like as much as camp blanding in itself is bonding it's more bonding like a year or two later oh you remember camp landing you know last year when we were in the memories of going oh he was there too he went through the same bullshit I dealt with, and all that. I think that's what kind of unifies the SWAT guys more so. Also, because, like you said, the like mindedness, but then that going through the bullshit of like crappy situations. You're just like, oh, okay.
1: Oh, I think he summed yeah. it up beautifully. I mean, <sighs> I, you know, it. Uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of like. On a far lesser scale, because we're not anywhere near that level. But on a tier one group, you know, mm-hmm. say it's you know one of the SEAL teams, or it's you know Delta, or you know Force Recon, or an SAS, or yeah. know, GSG9, any of those guys. You know, when they're doing that stuff full time, and you know they're involved in that stuff, you're going to have that um, that bond that you are going to remember forever. And it's illustrated pretty well in that miniseries Band of Brothers. If you right. Look at that. Oh yeah. Um, you look at the and what they wrote about it. Uh, Winters especially when he wrote about the unusual bond of those guys because of how they had to suffer so much oh yeah
0: and how and, if they would get injured they would be they would be escaping the hospital to come back right because they were so worried about their brothers yeah exactly on the line yeah you know yeah and there's absolutely. that's a
1: that's a it's a real interesting dynamic I, you know if you've if you were a psychologist uh, to study that, it would Mm. be kind of interesting to kind of see what comes up of that. But it, you know, it's, it's for us, it's on a a lesser scale because, you know, obviously we're not in, you know, Bastogne, you know, and, uh, you know, parachuting in behind Normandy and things like that. But it's, I think the, 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 the taste is still there. And um, and that's one of the reasons that I enjoyed SWAT so much. Um, I really liked the shooting. I mean, I just loved the shooting. <laughs> it was just such a good time. Yeah. Um, and then the the trips down to Fort Ord were really good. Now, see, we it was different for us. We didn't stay in the barracks down there. Oh, wow. We stayed at, like, the Days Inn, and we would, you know, we would take a break about 7 p.m. We'd go into Monterey, and we'd uh, hit this Italian restaurant. And we'd, you know, we'd eat our Italian food. And then we'd go back out and, and train, like I said, until about 11 p.m. And so we had a combination of day and night training. The, the sheriff's guys from Stanislaw County, sometimes they'd be down there training at the same time. Because Fort Ord was a big base, mm. even when it was open. And then later on, they closed it during Clinton's administration for the closures. But um, I remember Myron uh, Larson, who was running the Stanislaw County SWAT team, he had his guys camping in tents. They're in the field in Fort Ord and, and we were driving by and, you know, gosh, I felt like I was wearing lace on my panties or something <laughs> going back to the days in and here these monsters are out there, you know, eating over a campfire, <laughs> sleeping in sleeping bags, right. you know, trying to brush scorpions out of their shoes in oh, the morning gosh. that kind of crap.
0: And see, that's the thing is like, so right before I got on the team, uh, there was a, it was probably like two years before I got on the team, there was a camp landing trip that I guess was like half the team was ready to quit because oh, no it was so horrifically horrible. Like they had – like our SWAT commander at the time who was an all-around badass. Like if you see him today, you would be like, oh, he must be like an SF guy. Like he's just – he's naturally got that build and he's a squared-away dude. And he I, – I mean it used to be a lot more like – knock your dick in the dirt sort of training where it was just like you were just rep 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 getting beat on and beat on and beat on and beat on and like if you screwed up it was there was no mercy you know no i feel like we've evolved a little bit in the sense that for one thing because of that a lot of people got injured so like oh, their, yeah. light, their 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 swat life expectancy like on the team was significantly shorter due to injury it was not because they yeah. didn't even want they wanted to be there but guys are getting and you know being in law enforcement we demolish our bodies like we're especially working working the shift work and then you're you have to really st- strive hard to eat right, work out properly, all that stuff and then if you are doing all that and then on top of that you're doing a very vigorous exercising of like SWAT tactics You're beating up on your body like your body wasn't meant to hold 70 pounds worth of gear and run over obstacles and, you know, shoot and run and like your body gets beat up. So they were like they were making people's career shorter on the SWAT team because they were like beating on each other so bad. And so what basically happened, I guess they had some some L.A. County SWAT guys had come out and did a training and some of those guys that came out were, you know, 50-something-year-old guys. And they're like, how long have you been on the team? Oh, I've been on the team 20 years. Oh, how long have you been on? 20 years. And they're like, how do you guys keep people that long? And they go, and they explain to them, like, they're like, so many of our guys just get hurt. And they go, yeah, we used to be that way too. And then we realized going balls to the wall all the time is not always the best way. Like, if you look, I would say all the SWAT guys, like, in our agency right now. They're in the upper at least 10 5% of physically fit individuals in the agency. Oh, I, I, You know so what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they're and but the thing is though is like I think when our higher up, you know, our command staff started to realize, "Oh, these guys are going to be that physically fit regardless of whether we're pushing them to be like we don't have to wait, I don't want to call it wasted time, but we don't have to waste a training day doing PT together as a group and beat like just beating our bodies senseless when we could be using that time better spent to train you know entries or HRT or what have you these guys are going to work out on their own time like they're like we all work out on our like don't get me wrong the the working out together is a good again camaraderie builder however you don't want to do it all the time and you don't want to beat each other to the ground so bad that it's like Okay, like what are we doing here? Like I can I can put myself through a very hard workout and like beat the crap out of myself on my own time. We need to use SWAT time to train SWAT stuff. Right, you know what I mean? tactics. Well, yeah. it's,
1: it kind of falls into that thing. You, you, you're going to suffer either way. You're going to suffer either the, the pain of failure because you didn't prepare or you're going to suffer the, the, the pain of preparing. Mm. And I would rather suffer the pain of preparing and leave the failure part out of it because yeah. it works better. But, it, you know, anybody who's, who's going into SWAT, of course, is going to have that mentality. Right. But it was the same thing out there on our team. Uh, we had a bunch of guys that were on the team for, you know, 20 years or more. I was on for 12, and I came off simply because of the age of my kids, and I was losing too much time with them. Otherwise, I would have stayed on. But it, you know, you you do your training but yeah it's as far as beating the crap out of each other i mean i
0: I, when i say beating the crap, i don't mean like we're necessarily beating up on each other i just mean like beating each other down in the sense of like hey we're going to run the obstacle course three times we're going to run to the archery range and back between each round of the right you know course and And it's like yeah it's just beating we're just beating ourselves
1: when you can be spending it doing you know maybe a a, a some firearms doing entries or something like that or you know transition drills on the range you know from exactly pistol or something but you uh, no matter how you slice it it's it's still you know and I don't know if there's any you know young guys that are getting into law enforcement that are listening to this but one of the things that I found as a as a young cop is I looked at the the guys that i that I was around that I saw that I admired and and they were just about all high performers and i I, I wanted to hang around those guys because mm. I thought they were cool and still do and so it's like well you're not going to be able to hang around those guys if you don't perform exactly. So if you can, you can choose two paths in law enforcement. You can decide that you want to move up in administration. You know, for the pay and the rank. And I get it. You know, they need people up there to do that. Uh, generally, not always, but I, I found a, a more than more than not people who chose that route were never very good on the street. And, I, I, you know, they weren't impressive, uh, although some of them became very impressive administrators. You know, they were crap as a street right. cop, but they found their niche in administration and their ability to um, implement positive changes was very impressive. But then other people got up there just for selfish reasons, and then they didn't care who they, they stomped on. I remember there was one guy who um, he said, uh, you've got to burn them to earn them, meaning oh, you have geez. to burn your, your uh, subordinates as a new sergeant to earn your stripes, and I thought, what the heck kind of messed oh, up thought is that? No kidding, and, and I my just, God! You know, and 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 of course, you know, as time went by, then I get accused. Well, you're too close to your guys, you know, and mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm just thinking, well, the the sergeant is the, you know, he's the favorite uncle. He's the older brother. He's the mentor, <laughs> the trainer, the, you know, the candlestick maker. You know, yeah. he's the one that. You know, that they can come to when they've got a problem. Right. And if if a, if a sergeant doesn't cultivate that, then you're going to have a dysfunctional squad. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it often is to the detriment of the sergeant if he has that attitude, because they don't like that. They want you to have that distance. And it doesn't mean that you have to run around with your guys off duty, you know, and go to the lake and jet ski and all that stuff, you know. Because I didn't hang around my guys when I wasn't working, with the exception of one, but he was a lifelong friend anyway. Um, but... At work, I think it's the, the the first line supervisor's job to to transition that that incoming message from administration and make it palatable to the guys on the street. Yeah. It, uh, I remember there was one time that they came out with a really restrictive pursuit policy that was you know crafted in Disneyland and you know probably reviewed by Joy Behar on the View or something, and they came <laughs> up with this ridiculous crap. And the lieutenant, you know, throws me in the mix as a test because I hadn't been a sergeant that long. And he says, hey, you know, today on briefing, you're going to read this policy to the guys. It just came down from up above. And, I, you know, I knew what it was because I'd already read it. And I said, oh, this is so crap. So, but, you know, you, you, you have to put on the face. And so, you know, read the policy and everything. And then, of course, the peanut gallery in the back row, the veteran guys, guys that I really liked and admired. You know, one of them, you know, hey, you know. JB, what do you think of this policy?" And so, you know, here you're, you're put on the spot in front of everybody, you got the lieutenant sitting there and you got the guys. And so, you know, I, I know some guys who would have said, oh, this is a great policy, you know? And it's like, are you kidding me? So I just said, well, I said, I understand the rationale behind it. Um, and as a cop, I don't like it at all. I think it's a bunch of baloney. They hired us to catch bad guys, hook them up and throw them in jail. However, as a sergeant, i got to tell you, I like it. And I like it for the simple reason that the restrictiveness on this policy will prevent me from having to go to your mom, dad, husband, wife, whatever it is, and tell them that you got busted up in a car crash when you were chasing somebody for a traffic violation and left it at that. And you, you, you inject the honesty on your personal opinion, right. but then show the reality of the benefit of something that really does feel stupid. because. Yeah. I, I, there was an instructor one time at a. I we went to a three day firearms school. Uh, the first two days, we we shot nothing but left handed, our right handed shooters, you know, and because he told us, he said first two days, you're not going to use your, you know, your gun hand. You're going to use your support hand. And it's like, oh, this is cool, and it you know pushes you to the limit. And then yeah. pretty soon you get to be a pretty good left handed shooter. So, um, but I remember him saying that how much he admired us that we were willing to give our lives for our community. And uh, Ryan, I'm sitting there and I'm going. <laughs> I ain't willing to give my life for the community, not this community anyway. But I am willing to take the risks that could take my life, right, for this community. And really, it's for the guy on the the beat next to me, or you know, one of my guys on my squad, or you know, yeah. one of the SWAT guys, or something like that. So it's all kind of how you you look at it, but. Anyway, long way around the, the the horn on that one, but the camaraderie thing, anytime you can get into a special unit where you're doing something that the average bear can't do, won't do, uh, refuses to do, you're going to have a camaraderie with a bunch of guys that you're going to respect for the rest of your life. And I just don't think it gets any better than that. Yeah, I I mean, it it might get better if you're working for Microsoft and you've got a giant house on the water with a big, you know, 38-foot Cabo out there with the outriggers and all that stuff. And maybe you've got some hooters waitress works part-time for you cutting squid on the back (laughs) of the boat. That's pretty bitching stuff. But guys that have that, they don't have what we have.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, I do hear a lot of those guys aren't too happy. So it could, you know, I like to believe that they're not happy because they, you know, money can't buy I, I i don't love i hate it when people say that money can't buy happiness yeah but money can buy a boat and i'm pretty happy when i'm on a boat so i don't know about all that like that's kind of a bullshit statement
1: i heard whatever. somebody say that money can't buy happiness but it can buy comfort and when you're comfortable you can be pretty happy and that's probably pretty true but right. you know the one thing I, I you know when you mentioned that it just brought up a thought there there at least at modesto pd there were there were um, i guess there were two two ranks that were happy. There were a certain number of sergeants that were happy, and there were a lot of detectives that were happy, because at least for the 17 years I was in detectives, I came to work every day glad I was a detective, and I didn't really have any interest in being a sergeant. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until the tail end when the chief encouraged me because of the pay and stuff like that that I thought, oh, okay. But it still wasn't as enjoyable of a job as the yeah. detective thing. So what, what I found is pretty much every every patrolman came to work every day wishing that he was a detective or a sergeant. Most of the sergeants came to work every day wishing that they were lieutenants. Not all of them. The good ones wanted to be sergeants. Every lieutenant, almost without fail, came to work every day wishing he was a captain. The captains Mm -hmm. wished they were assistant chiefs or deputy chiefs. Every assistant chief or deputy chief wished the they ditches. were the chief. Yeah. And then, of course, the chief wasn't happy because he was at too small of an agency. He wanted to be in a bigger agency. So you get these guys that come to work yeah. every day and they're not happy where they're at. If you can find in this career that one niche where you are happy yeah. and they can, they can try and make you dance by dangling that carrot in front of you and, then, and you won't dance for it, it frustrates the heck out of them. But if you're turning in good work, yeah, you'll probably right. survive.
0: I've had, I, I can't even tell you, countless... Uh, discussions with different uh members of rank that have very much encouraged me to promote. Like you need to you should consider taking the sergeant's exam, blah blah blah. And I and I I, I go, but why? I go, I love being in canine. Yeah. And
1: exactly. I love SWAT.
0: Why do I why would I want to and this is this is no dig on anyone in our agency at all, especially anyone that wants to promote, like you said, good. Some of them really good. Like that's great. Like there's some guys, especially right now, we have a good group of current new supervisors that they're great guys. A lot of them are SWAT guys. So am I a little impartial? Obviously, but I'm just saying there's, there's merit to that for sure. For me though, the way I look at it is Okay, so you want me to leave a gig that I think is amazing. Like I think is, I get to literally – so like when K-9 shows up, the fun gets to begin because I get to track right. bad guys. Like, fel- like the guys we're tracking, our policy is violent misdemeanors and felons. So it's like I'm only catching bad guys. Right. You know what I mean? Like bad people. So uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone's heard a grown man scream like from a dog bite, but it is kind of like a thing that you're like, oh my gosh, this is – And again, these people warrant that. It's not like I just, you know, willy-nilly and let my dog bite people. But I'm saying, once you do all this training with the dog and you go through all this work and you train and train, it's just like the camaraderie of SWAT. I have major camaraderie with my dog because we've just gone through so much together. And it's like, then when you see your dog do exactly what you've been training him to do and he does it right and he catches a bad guy and you guys catch someone, it is like a... It's a euphoric feeling that you just oh, can't yeah, really a satisfaction, yeah, of accomplishment. And, right, you can't you can't match it. And so, like when they talk to me about promoting, it's like, so you want me to leave something that I that's amazing to go take a test and become a supervisor? And I'll have to go. I, I mean, I work nights anyways, but going back to patrol nights, twelve hour shifts, um, and I'll be in charge of five to six, maybe more. Idiots for the most part because like I'm the newest sergeant I'm gonna get the newest guys and I'm gonna be like held liable for their poor decisions good decision What have you? Yeah, you might get one maybe two of them are Decent or studs or a long time like old timer that likes working nights And you have one guy that you don't got to worry about that knows how to take care of everything and isn't calling you all the time and You're gonna have me do that for slightly more pay slightly and I, I I heard the argument, well, think about your retirement. It's so much better for your retirement. I go, yeah, have you seen the current climate that we're in? Retirement's not guaranteed for anybody in this line of work, all right? And I'm not talking about getting shot. I'm talking about getting hemmed up on something, and oh, all of a yeah. sudden you lose everything. And it's like, yeah, yeah I don't think I'm going to be – I don't want to be miserable for a, even a little bit right now in the hopes that it's better later. I would rather enjoy right now – and still hope that it's going to be better later. You know what I'm
1: saying? Like I, I couldn't I, agree more on that. I, you know, I, I, I got a, a friend of mine. He lives down here now. He was uh, actually he was an explorer. I was a motor cop, and um, I was an explorer advisor. And he came on uh, the Explorers when he was 15. He was 10 years younger than me, and um, he he lives out east of the interstate, and everything built a house out there. And he later became my lieutenant for a short period of time, um, and he had a pretty good career, but. For the most part um, if you're looking at captains and I guess down here majors and colonels mm-hmm. and stuff like that how many of them actually worked long enough to really enjoy the career I, I remember there's there was one chief in particular and I always kind of look at him as you know he if he talks about law enforcement he's talking about it from like a spectator talking about hockey mm-hmm. three rows up in the stands with a hot dog and a beer but he, the time that he had skates on and he was shooting the puck and checking guys into the boards, was so short that he has no credibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did the sergeant thing just like we were talking about mm-hmm. the last four years, and I really wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for this one particular chief that seemed to like me, and I liked him and I respected him, and he kept encouraging me. Yeah, I, I, I would have had more fun probably finishing it out in homicide, but it was... There was a difference... When, when you work in homicide, you, you when you put a case together, you, there is a... A satisfaction that's difficult to describe because it's you're building something and um, if, if if it comes together right, you, you really feel good about it. As a supervisor, the only satisfaction that I got is when I could do something for one of my guys. And, uh, you know, if there was an assignment that came up and I could get them pushed into that. I remember I was down at the SHOT Show. Um, this was probably in 08. And Caliber Press had a a table there, as they usually do, and I rolled in there. I was talking to the people in there. And and they had some flyers for law enforcement or officer survival for women officers or something like that. And I I had two really good uh, uh, female cops. Uh, One was on my squad and one was on the other squad, Uh, Michelle Baker and and, this other officer, this Kaylee and so i came back I, I hit up the lieutenant and i said hey look i said i, I just got back from the shot show and I, I picked this stuff up i said i'd like to send kaylee and and uh, baker down um to this thing in vegas yeah. and um you know what's the department stance will they you know will they spring for any of it can we send them on duty time can we get them a city car and everything and and make a long story short the lieutenant this was a good lieutenant he wasn't much of a sergeant but he was a great lieutenant and he, um, he said, no, he says, I can, I can get him a city car and I can get him to go on city time, but they're going to have to pay their entry into the, the seminar. And Kaylee couldn't go for some reason. But Baker was, you would have thought that I bought her a new Ferrari. I mean, she couldn't believe that somebody would go out of their way to do something like this for her. But she was like 26 years old. She weighed maybe 110 pounds with a 10-pound duty belt on. And, you know, she wasn't very big, but she was absolutely fearless. And if I had to pick 10 guys to go in a door to go after somebody on a warrant from the marshal's office, she would be one of the ones I picked because she was a shooter. And even though she wasn't, you know, um, the rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson, I, I, I could rely on her. And she went down to Vegas and enjoyed the thing and everything like that. But that was really the only satisfaction that I really got as a supervisor. Yeah. Is you know when you can do something for somebody and and recognize them for a good job and you know maybe they get an award or something like that. Right. That was. And I've had
0: a couple. I've, I I mean I currently have a really good supervisor and I've had, I would say, one to two other ones that I really one in particular that I was really tight with. That was just a good, all, same thing. He. He was a cop for a very long time. He became a supervisor right towards the end, like but he was he was in patrol prior to becoming a supervisor. That's another thing that I think is like kind of missed from a lot of guys cuz like you said those guys that are in the stands talking about when they were wearing the skates, well our the way our agency does it is you don't promote in the unit you're in. If you promote no matter what unit you're in, you go back to patrol, which is kind of Oh my god. I mean it it I don't want to say it doesn't make sense because it kind of does like you want them to be able to understand the core concepts of being a supervisor at the don't I'm not calling patrol the lowest level but I'm saying at the basic level of what being a cop is before you go into a specialty unit to be a supervisor of it if that makes any sense like I I get it though because even saying it I know it's not people are listening going like anyone that's not Law enforcement listening is probably going. Well, wait a second. Why wouldn't you have someone that is already in a special unit? Just because that would make sense. But the problem is, is then you would have people. There would never be any movement of people going around to different things. Well, there, because, yeah, there is that. And,
1: know, and I and I do get that. And I, you know, and I, I, and I'm the same thing. You know, Ryan, I'm right there with you. I can see um, a little bit of validity to that. However, if it if it's you know like you got somebody. You know, that's working a special unit, and they have expertise, and they've they've got they're a subject matter expert. They teach the stuff at the academy. They they've been you know certified in court, you know, as an expert in this thing. To put somebody on on night patrol uh, to learn how to be a supervisor, you know, the thing is, is they already know how to be a supervisor because they probably are already supervising people mm-hmm. as a. You know, like when I was working crime scene, sometimes I would be the crime scene manager, and I would supervise three other detectives and a, and a CSO uh, ID tech. But I wasn't getting supervisor pay for right. it. But you're responsible for their work output. So, you know, I, I they you know they say these things, I, and I, I, I they never made sense to me when I was a young guy. They don't make sense to me anymore. If somebody's good at something. Yeah, it was. I remember they had a, re, a rotation thing at Modesto PD where you could only ride the motorcycle for three years and then you had yeah. to rotate back to patrol for at least a year and then come back. Well, the studies had shown at that time that your safest riders are guys that had been on for over three years. Those were the guys that were not getting busted up because right. they, they knew what they were doing. And so then, you know, when you're accomplished, and, and this is back before they, you know, they were just coming out with setcoms and everything. So mm-hmm. you had to do everything with the, thru- the, yeah. the throttle, the clutch, the brakes, and talk on the mic you know so you're, you're you're you know you're juggling things it's like you got oh, a yeah. banana a chainsaw and you know a, a piece of fine china not to you're mention you're
0: doing to... stuff with your feet too you're shifting gears you're braking <laughs> you're yeah, breaking, your, the yeah and then you got to
1: put the foot down and all yeah. that stuff and so you know they i remember this one captain came up to me and he and he and he knew i didn't want to come off the motorcycle on the rotation thing and he goes well john this is for your benefit it's it's just so you have a more well-rounded career and i'm thinking hey i got a mother i don't need you if i don't want my career to be well-rounded and i just want to ride this kawasaki and I take this to investigate fatals leave me the hell alone yeah you know i don't need well, you watching out for me and that's the thing
0: too so like luckily our agency doesn't do this but i have there are some agencies uh but the canine that have a similar thing oh where gosh. they rotate, like people will get to work one dog. And it's like, so like the lifetime of like the life expectancy of the dog can be anywhere
1: from seven to nine years. And usually And, and you should that's... be on that dog that whole time yeah. working that assignment the whole time. That's your dedication. That's your expertise. And that's when you really get good at but,
0: it. But Exactly. And then I've had, I've gone to a bunch. I've been lucky enough to go to countless schools and talk to a bunch of other handlers and stuff. And even within our unit, all the guys in the unit besides myself and one other are on their second or third dog, right? So the experience level of just understanding the pure basics of like the mental components of what, well, my dog's doing this. Well, that's probably because of this. My dog's doing this. Well, that's probably because of this. Like that, if I'm ever like, oh man, like not to get too graphic, but my dog has something, has like, he, I don't know what he did. I don't know if he got a bite or what, but he's like, Got basically a wound on his ball sack. It's okay. but it's like a it's like scab. But it was like he was almost licking it, or I don't know what it was. Took him to the vet. They didn't know what it was either. They said it was maybe bacterial or something. Like he got a bite and he got a little infected or whatever. So listen, I have to apply this cream to his nut sack and stuff. But like my first thing that I did is I contacted our team trainer, who's like now on his third dot, and I said, "Hey, uh, Knox has got something going on with his nuts," and he's like, "What is it?" And I explained it to him, and I sent him a picture, and he's like. He goes, yeah, I don't know. He goes, I would, I would take him to the vet, but just him, there was no answer on what it was from him. However, him not showing concern, like in a way that it didn't, it didn't make, it didn't make me get like, oh God, is there something really wrong with it? You know what I mean? It almost calmed me down him being like, eh, it's fine. Just take him to the vet. They'll, you know, take a look at it. And so like just the knowledge of. Because someone that doesn't know, and I'm not going to lie, if I showed you a picture of it, you'd be like, good God, like, what happened to his balls,
1: you know? Went to 80 without
0: condoms? Right, so it's like, geez. But he, like, he understands, like, again, the health of the dogs, the mental status of the dogs. Like, he can understand that, and he goes... And again, he's not a vet. He didn't go, he didn't go, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Apply, apply this ointment three times a day or whatever. He didn't do that part. But just him to know like, yeah, sometimes dogs get a bite on their neck. Because that was the first thing he said. He goes, he probably got a bite or something and he messed with it and irritated it just him to the vet. Like that was basically his answer. And that was basically what the vet said. So it was like one of those things where it, his understanding and knowledge of it is because he's gone through, he's had to deal with several things from his dogs as well. So to take someone out of a a specialty unit like that, it almost doesn't make any sense because it's like, just like you said with the motors, about three years in is when you start getting good at it. You don't, a lot of guys will tell you, like they don't really have the, Because on your first dog, you're learning everything. And on your second dog, you've fixed all the mistakes that you've learned from your first. You know what I mean? And I've heard like your second dog is never going to be like your second or third dog. It's never going to be as good as your first dog because your first dog was the best because it was your first dog. But the reality is, is their capabilities are going to be far superior because you now are more knowledgeable and can fix all the things that, oh, Knox is really bad about let me pick him up and put him over walls. He kind of, he really moves around a lot. My next dog, I am going to fix that from the get go. He's going to be picked up on all my shoulders all the time. He's never going to like, he should want to be up there. You know what I mean? And that's something that I'm going to fix with the next dog, assuming they'll let me have a next dog. But I'm just saying you, you see all these things and you fix all these things. And that's what makes you a better handler and ultimately a better cop. And ultimately, Better at apprehending bad guys because you've learned and you've gotten better and you've advanced, and to take people out of these units, whether it's for whatever rotation and better career development, or like we were talking about supervisor, I don't know if that's always the best. Yeah, definitely you know the I mean? goal. Yeah, you know, what's like... the
1: goal? The goal is to provide the best service for the taxpayer that you can possibly right. do, and and it shouldn't have anything to do with ego personalities or anything like that. When I got hired, they promised me a blue uniform and a black and white car. And I'd probably be working nights part of the time and you know, we had rotating shifts like you guys don't have, mm-hmm. which is kinda of goofy. But that's all they promised me. so if I never got a chance to ride the motorcycle, I didn't have a bitch yeah. because they never promised me that. <laughs> exactly and so but you know you brought up something else that was really interesting there that uh, I think deserves a little bit of uh, you know, chat about is the reaction of that supervisor in the canine unit when you showed him the you know the, uh, the testicular issue with your dog his, <clears throat> his reaction to it was was controlled, it was calm. And what it did is it, it erased any anxiety that you would have. And this is one of the things that is missing from a lot of people, unfortunately in this job is, or even in life in general. It's the "Oh my God" reaction, the yeah. over-the-top reaction mm-hmm. instead of the yawning, you know, almost disinterested that's not a big deal. Um, next, um, oh, I'd like a burger with fries. Uh-huh. you know and, and this is one of the things and even if it is a big deal, um, and whether you're a father, and it's probably important maybe more for fathers than anybody else. When your kids do something, your reaction to it is going to have a big basis on them for their whole life. Oh, yeah. And so if you're... And it's the same thing with young patrol officers. If, if, they're, if they did something, if, if, you, if, if they don't get a reaction that frightens them and creates anxiety, but is reassuring, they're not going to be afraid to come to you mm-hmm. because they know they, they don't have to fear what the reaction is. Oftentimes the, the reaction, depending on the parent or the sergeant, is much worse than what the deal is. Yeah, And this is one of the things that they didn't, they, they stressed it a little bit, but they didn't touch on it anywhere near enough in the supervisor schools that I went to. And I think we mentioned it before. There's a really good book on dealing with people in a supervisor or management position. It's called It's, it's Your Ship. It's mi- yep. written by Mike Abrashoff, and it, it details things like that. And any, anybody who's listening to this, well, both people that are listening to this, if one of you <laughs> is going to become a supervisor, you might want to read that book because it's pretty good stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you, know, you just you see so much ridiculous stuff that goes on with how they make some of these selections and you know things like that and why they move people around know, it's one thing and you know and it's not to cap on on the agency because I love Sarasota Sheriff's Office I mean I just there were some great guys there I just you know like I told you earlier I never thought I would find that caliber but it's exact same caliber cops are cops no matter where they are they're their their refusal, or I don't even know if they're interested in doing it, to not allow detectives as a promoted position to me is a huge mistake. They actually they did away with it at Modesto PD for the whole time I was there, and then for some time after, to go into detectives you you had to promote. You could go in as a trainee for like a year, then you could promote. Uh, you could you know you'd be a regular detective, or then you could be a uh, a senior, and um, it, it, it 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 created a case clearance rate that was very impressive because of the experience, just like mm-hmm. you were talking. When, when a, a dog cop comes up to a supervisor that was also a dog cop, he's going to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of cases that we solved simply because of experience that we wouldn't have solved if we didn't have that. But uh, anyway, you had other questions. I yes, know yes, I'm sorry. We get We go it. off
0: on tangents go there. Go crazy, but, uh, yeah. So kind of sticking along the uh, SWAT camaraderie thing, uh, I was curious um, how – so like now we have – They call it a force on force building. We call it shoot house usually, but um, how did you got, yeah. How did you, well, it sounds cooler to us. It sounds bad to the. General public, because it sounds like we're training to shoot people. In you know, house, well, and you, you know, know what
1: we are. Okay? But uh, <laughs> we are training to shoot bad people that do bad things exactly. to good people. Right. And, you know, and if that doesn't work too well, when you're drinking your tea and you got your pinky out, <laughs> or you're doing the, the the martini, well, then stay there at the yacht club yeah. and don't worry about it because we'll take care of it exactly. for you. Because that's what we do, exactly. or that's what you guys do. It's wow. what I did for a while. So
0: what i was going to ask is how did you guys get your training reps i know you said you went down to that fort and did train did you guys go to like a lot did you guys have a designated building or just you used buildings throughout that you did training in? well or? it's
1: just like you guys up there at blanding you guys got a mount up there yeah uh military operations and urban terrain now they mm-hmm. had a, a mount site down at monterey at, Cor- at fort ord and um oh my gosh the thing was just spectacular um you know they had a there was a manhole and you know tunnel complex underneath the whole place there were the buildings you know your four story buildings you can repel off of there mm-hmm. were like gas stations there were houses with basements and some without and just all sorts of stuff and you could you know, sneak around at night in there, and it just was great training. But when it came to the shooting, they had a, I guess you could call it a shoot house, but it was a tire complex. And so it was walls made of tires that were stacked on top of timbers, and they were filled with sand. So the, you know, the bullets aren't right. going to perforate. They'll penetrate, but they won't perforate. And so you could walk on top and you could watch your guys. I got several pictures of, you know, our guys shooting yeah, daytime and at night and things like that. I was running a Nikon F2 um, with the Ektachrome 64, I think. This is pre-digital camera days. And I could do time exposure stuff and get some pretty good, you know, uh, pictures, you know, with that back in the day without a flash. But, um Anyway, um, we we had the shoot house. You know, you'd go in there, and we were running live ammunition, but we weren't doing Delta stuff where we're shooting at our buddies as they're sitting in right. a chair, you know, we yeah. you know, because we weren't a full-time team. So um, anyway, but yeah, we did that, and it was, it was really rewarding. It was, you know, uh, it was a little bit primitive compared to the stuff that you guys probably have nowadays, but it was what we had, and we used it. You know?
0: Right. Um, did you guys – so we do – I mean, our – I would say like our bread and butter is like entry training for yes. basically search warrants and then... Which is
1: what the we, bread and butter is. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: for SWAT. Exactly. And uh, a lot of HRT stuff. Did you guys... Is that what you guys kind of worked on too? Or? Yeah.
1: We had uh, we had a schedule set up every year where we knew in April we were going to be doing bus assaults over at the bus yard. So yeah. we, you know, we did a variety of different things. We had these cut down ladders that we, we used to, you know, break and rake the windows if we were going to do something like that, you know, toss the flashbangs in and then do the entries. And then we had the different targets that were in the different Seen some with you know depicting armed people, others not, right? And then we would use sim munitions on that because we had a pretty good sim uh, setup for the um, ARs or the M16s, and then also for the SIG 226s, so we could do that, and that worked out pretty good. Um, we... Uh, The one-year training, you know, the week-long training was in Fort Ord in the fall every year, so we knew we were going to be doing a, a, a big combination of building entries, stealth entries, dynamic entries, and things like that. And then, of course, we had one senior guy on the team who had done that for so many years he didn't need to do it anymore so he was the bad guy and he would go in with he would put in trip wires with uh flash bangs on stairways and things like this um and you know just anything to screw with us right and we had a luxury of there one one year we were up there and there was a um, i don't know if it was a battalion or a company of marines that was commanded by a major who was the brother of one of our SWAT guys mm. and so we got to train with them which was really enjoyable they liked it and um then there's a couple of times that the uh, some of the army guys were there because it was the headquarters for the seventh light and then there was one year we were there where a bunch of seals from coronado were up there training oh geez so that was really enjoyable because we we got to train with them and i remember sitting in the the fourth floor of one of those buildings with one of those seals and he was actually on a a discovery channel show uh, because i recognized him from the show and I asked him about, um, there was an, uh, a senior master chief, his name was Herschel, I can't remember his last name, but he was really cool on the show. And I asked him about him, he told me about that guy. And But anyway, I asked him, I, says, gosh, I said, gosh, I, I'm really embarrassed for us, because I know we make a hell of a lot of noise coming through these you know, passageways between the buildings and everything. And he goes, are you kidding? He goes, we can't even hear you guys, you guys are really quiet, we're, we're really surprised that cops would be this quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this incredible compliment, you know. It's just like yeah. somebody put a, a, a air hose to me yeah. and injected me with about sixty psi, just pumped right. me up and everything. And I thought, oh, we're quiet. Wow, yeah. you know, from a seal.
0: Yeah. Well, I think too, it's got to be recognized, and we've started to kind of recognize it more. Uh, as uh, as so, our SWAT team right now we're in a really good spot because we have a lot of. Uh, I don't want to call them super senior guys, but, like, a little bit higher than mid-level guys, Yeah, too. You know, we've almost, a good majority of us have been on the team more than five years. Um, some guys more than 10, but some guys less. But, like, in that window of time where everyone's still, like, everyone gets it. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone understands the tactics. So we work really well together, which is awesome. But the last couple of times where we have done trainings with whether it's SF guys, uh, going up to McDill or camp Blanding or whatever, we have gotten up quite a few compliments about how we do stuff. And then also like they, cause those guys, they have like a rotation of SF guys up there at Blanding that are like, they're literally just doing that where they're helping train SWAT guys come oh, into excellent. the mountain and stuff like Gosh, that. Shit. And, uh, You know, they could say it to every team, but I don't think that they do, but they, they, they said, they said, they're like, no, you guys are like way better than a lot of the other teams we've seen, which is a huge, like you said, a huge compliment, but just seeing them show certain things and the way they do certain things is it's like, listen, they're in the shit. They're actually doing this stuff, especially like overseas. And, uh, it's. Impressive what they can do however we do have to recognize what it is to be able to mold it to our tactics because sometimes it's not the same of the way they clear room is not necessarily beneficial for us to clear a room that same way because (laughs) they can work walls over in freaking over in the sandbox because hey they're going into huts where there's not a lot of furniture a lot of times. Right. We're going into these crack houses where there's just shit all oh over the God. floors. You're yeah. stepping over things, you're tripping, you're You know what I mean? It's not it's not as fluid and real and that's one of the few things that is nice about us having the force on force building is we've started loading it with furniture. Like, you know, so that right. stuff can be in our way and we have to move things around and set it up differently and you know, give people a little bit more real look than just going into a big empty room where it's like oh hey there's nobody here or there is somebody here no we're hiding behind desks and under beds and you know things like that to try to give it like hey you got to really be you know clearing these things and uh i that was one of my other questions was what when you were on swap were you guys good about Like, the team itself, was, were you guys pretty good about adapting new tactics? Like, did you guys go to a lot of schools or train with other SWAT teams and go, hey, that's a good... Like, we've had a couple times just while I've been on the team where we've changed the way we clear certain doorways. Like, the last door, if we know it's the last room in the structure, we're going to let that room breathe for a second. You know, throw the door open, let it breathe for a second. Maybe... Uh, threshold assess all the way over before we ever even make entry into that room. Like we're not just flooding into the room. So like our our dynamic entry style has slowed down even a little bit more because, like you talked about earlier, SWAT, we have time on our side a lot of times. Right, okay. um, obviously, HRT hostage rescue. That's gonna that's gonna change things. Obviously, but recognizing that, hey, this is a better way of doing something and adapting that to okay, let's try putting it in here and seeing if it works. I think we're... uh, I'm sorry, I'm kind of running two questions together, but one of my other ones was, uh, you know, we have YouTube now. So we're able to see all these, like, SF guys' tactics and these groups that they have out there that, like, show, like, hey, this is a better way of doing this and this. And even what you were showing me earlier, the YouTube video of a guy going over a breakdown of a gun and all this stuff. And it's like, how did you guys... One, how did you guys get that information back then? And two, were you good about
1: adapting new tactics to the team? Or oh no? gosh, I would have loved to have new stuff come in. They they, they were a little resistant to that. Um, I think they, as most people are. Yeah, people are resistant just, to change. And I, and I just thought, well, well, why don't we call you know some guys from. You know, Sacramento County, or from Oakland, and, and have them come down and you know train with us and see what they're doing and steal from them. You know, right. essentially, and they'll steal from us too. Exactly, which is, it's, a, you know, it's a it's a tip for tap. It, yeah, you know? exactly, and it, and that just seems like that's the way to go. And but they were pretty resistant to that. And um, I mean, I, I think we were we were good. At least they had the the uh, statewide competition in Bakersfield every year, and our guys placed number one several years. I, the strength of our placing. Really wasn't because of the physical fitness of the team because most of the guys were a bit older and they weren't as in good shape as they could have been. But it's we had good shooters on the Mm team, and can't outrun your misses. Yeah, and that's the thing. And and so when it came to the to the training, I, I know one of the things that really started to bother me as the years went by is we would every year we would get a new training manager in the chief's office, and they would you know do come up with the idea for the firearm training for that year. Well, none of these guys were gun guys. And, you know, they were doing their best, and I get it, but they weren't gun guys. And And sometimes your
0: best isn't good enough. When you (laughs) you suck, sometimes your best isn't good enough. People need to recognize that.
1: And that's what I saw, and I'm just thinking, this training is not that good. And so a uh, a buddy of mine, Vince uh, Bazzini, he runs a firearms training company out there in California. We we were... um, big disciples of Jeff Cooper and and uh the you know his writings and stuff like that and so mm-hmm. we just decided we're going to gunsight and this was in 1988 and because we wanted good firearms training and at the time gunsight you know down there in Paulden Arizona was the premier place i mean you know Milius has been down there um Selleck, uh, uh King Hussein of Jordan, his his bodyguards trained there. Mm. Um, LAPD SWAT, of course, there are guys there. Uh, Larry Mudgett, I think he was an uh, associate instructor down there. Dennis Tuller from Salt Lake City PD who came up with the original 21-foot rule, he was an associate instructor down there. Uh, Bill Jeans from um, Clovis PD, he was... Um, operations manager down there i mean they had really good guys um if you remember robbie barkman uh from um robar who did the firearms finishing down there he was a, he was a gunsmith down there for many years uh, uh, clint smith who's got thunder ranch right now he was one of the you know he was operations manager down there too so we knew when we went down there we were going to get the best firearms training that was available privately unless you were part of delta or something right. like that and and so when we came back we came back with how to, how to navigate a 1911 on the range. And so we were able to, and it was, it wasn't long after I came back from gun sight, I think it was the second time. Maybe it was the first time. Maybe it was in 89 when I got on SWAT and they quickly let me help out with, pardon me. Oh, that's the, all right. The duck is going here. <laughs> um, it, uh, anyway, um, they let me, Put together a little bit of the physical training for the SWAT guys because I was pretty fit at the time. And then they also let me do Oh, yeah, because you're such a slob yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the FAMUNDA. So um, but they let me also you know, pretty much focus on the 1911 stuff. And um, you know, then I went back down to gun site, took their carbine course. So I was allowed to bring in some of that stuff that helped out. So as far as other training, they welcomed that. But as far as training with other teams and stealing from them, not so much. And I don't yeah. know if there was a fear that other guys were going to be that much better and we would look foolish. I, I was just going to say it's ego. You, and you have to be able to put that yeah. aside to be your best.
0: Well, I think uh, I'm sure uh, Mike has talked to you a little bit about it, but uh, he started doing jujitsu. Right. And uh, uh, so since I started going to this new gym, um, one of our guys was already going there, but I was training down south. Well, the schedule was just, I was not getting the, I was not advancing the way I wanted to be advancing because one, the times of the schedule of the gym that I was going to weren't super advantageous for my schedule. And two, the guys that were there, there wasn't enough of them. Like for when I could be there, like they were more, like more guys come at night. I can't do nights I work nights. So I need morning classes. Well, this gym that I'm going to team Alves shout out. Um, they, uh, they have 6am classes. So a lot of times I'll work all night and I'll just go to jiu like, as I get off work. Right. And uh, there's just... So since I started going there, I have uh, uh, coerced, I guess might be the right word, to, uh, quite a few of the other SWAT guys to start training as well. And uh, we have, like, a, I mean, beso- like, just, just cops alone right now in the mornings, in 6 a.m. class, we have usually nine, eight or nine cops there oh, in the no morning. Kidding. Yeah, Gosh, and I would say six or seven of them are SWAT guys, yeah, and so. which is great. And uh, it's funny though, because you talk about squad meetings. Anyone driving by at that time sees freaking eight or nine Tahoes <laughs> sitting in front of a <laughs> yeah. jujitsu gym. They're like, "What's going on there?" <laughs> you know, are those cops getting their ass kicked or what? Oh, but yeah, uh, Gosh, yeah you want to so. talk that. And, I, you know, anyone that's listened to this podcast, I'm, I'm sure I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but uh, that's one of the best things about jiu jitsu there is no ego. You, you're you not going to have an ego in jiu jitsu. No, you got to check it out the door, man, because you are going to get your butt kicked. And if you can recognize, and I got to give a lot of props to the guys that have started, um, these guys that are, which most people would consider all around, you know, badass guys physically fit uh, hungry determined SWAT guys tactically sound good shooters they're coming in and doing something that they are have never done before Way and they' the and yeah. they're getting their butts kicked and you know they're all getting better they're all getting better at it because they have that drive but it's it's a hard thing to do something uh, you know you're not going to be good at it's one thing to go try something like oh, I think I think I want to try that. And you're not good at and then you don't do it anymore. But to keep coming back, knowing you're not good at it, and you're trying to get better. And the repercussions for not being good at it is getting choked out or, you know, an elbow extended, you know, like, I mean, obviously, jujitsu guys know you can tap and it stops, you know, like you can stop the from going unconscious or breaking an arm or what have you. But the reality is, you knowing the consequence of that, I think, makes you a better, not just a cop, but a better individual. Because oh, all of a so. sudden, mentally, you're going, oh, hey, I am I am a person with a neck that somebody can choke. Like, understanding that concept and going, a badge doesn't necessarily always protect me. I may not have access to a gun for whatever reason. I need to know how to defend myself a little bit. And the best way of doing that is having to actually defend myself a little right. bit. So I think that, uh, again, a lot. So, I, I again, I won't say any names, but uh, there's a couple guys, a couple detectives that have recently started that aren't on SWAT that are coming. And the one guy in particular, his determination for, like, he is just there every day. And he is, he's a smaller guy. And uh, he's getting his butt kicked every day, you know, for the most part. He's I mean, we're we're not, yeah, we're not just beat, we don't mercilessly just beat on them or anything, but like in Jitsu, you, you kind of got to get beat up to learn. Like you kind of get, you know, you get choked out and all that stuff and you learn because you're like, Oh, I don't want to do that again. I shouldn't put my hand there. I shouldn't have done, you know what I mean? So, um, it's very cool from my perspective to see these guys that are like, okay, I know that I'm going to be bad at this and I'm still going to come do it. Like that is The mindset of that Is huge Because it's doing Exactly what you said There's no ego They're worried About looking bad So they don't want to Train With other Agencies sometimes Because They don't want to be Put in a situation Where they're going to look Like that And it's like Again Just like with all training Wouldn't you rather Screw up in training
1: Oh my god! Like wouldn't
0: you rather Learn In training That like Either you're going to Fuck something up, or your dog is, and fi- and figuring out how to fix that, so that when the real life thing happens, you're aware of it. It's not totally you're not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened, and I just it blows my mind because I, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the best at anything. I'm really not. I'm not good at anything. No I i mean, I'm yeah. I'm just, Other than Jerry Mickley, who yeah, is yeah. But it's like I, I think. Recognizing that and being able to try to get better at everything that I'm not good at makes me better than the guy that's – he's like, "Uh, I'm not going to try. I'm just not even going to try Well, because I I don't – they're so scared of failing.
1: Yeah. You know? And you don't have to be the best at everything, but all you have to do is be better than the adversary you're coming up against. That's really the important thing. And then – you know, you you can okay. You run a a plate rack ten times, and then you clear that plate rack in you know say two seconds or something like that. Okay, that's impressive. Cool. Can you do it on demand three weeks from now? Mm-hmm. And so it really isn't how good you were at one time on one particular drill. It's what can you do on demand when you have to do it. Right. And that's where you want to go after it. And it's like even that that one school I went to. You know, the three day school, the first two days, and we were shooting carbine and pistol, and it was all left handed. Well, okay, but gosh, one of the best schools ever, because it showed you how to navigate that. And, you know, people, well, what are the odds you might have to use one hand? Well, maybe they're not that great, but... I know a cop. That Wouldn't got, you rather it not be the first time in real life that you're doing it? I know one that got shot in his right hand. He was a right-handed shooter. But he, he carried his back up <clears throat> under his right armpit in a, in a vest mm. holster. So he was able to strip the zipper, get the gun out, and end the fight wow. with his left hand. Nice. And so at my partner, Kevin Bertolato, got shot six times in that jewelry store heist. He was a left-handed shooter. Luckily, he took the first round in the right hand. Mm. Um, but he was still able to react and take care of business. I think I mentioned before he still comes down here fishing, he survived, you know, nice. six rounds from pistol. He survived it. Uh, most pistol rounds are survivable. If you're close to the hospital, it's <laughs> in the heart or, you know, right. Or something like that. But I know he had other questions. I don't know if you want to cover. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. Uh, so know, he had um, good, good ones. You know, well, hey, he I'm, have good ones, I, I'm, but I'm God, trying to go
1: on for de- decades. I know. I know. You and, know I, and, and that's put people the thing in a bigger is, coma than they already are. Gonna, in. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, so, uh, one of the questions that I had was, I don't know if you saw it, because obviously, especially right now, it seems like uh, whether it's social media, YouTube, whatever, we're just inundated with videos, whether so it's body cam footage or right, just you know cell phone cameras of just shootings after shootings after shootings of whether it's police or uh, all these active shooters that are going on, right? Uh, one I had, and I had written this a while ago when we had first booked this, because it was right around that time, and I talked about it on one of my WTF Wednesdays. Uh, but I wanted to get your opinion. Did you see that one? I believe it was in Colorado. It was an active shooter. Someone had their cell phone and they're recording. They go, oh my gosh, I think I think it's an active shooter. Like it was a civilian. I think this is an active shooter. And there were some people in the parking, like people running out into the parking lot. And he was going in, I believe it was a grocery store and uh, he's going in and sure as shit, there's people laying down. He's like, Oh my gosh, someone should call 911, blah, 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 blah. And he's recording with his phone and like then you hear some shots in the back of the store and some people like yell and they're running out and he's like, oh my gosh, it's... And then a video cuts off. I'm hoping it cut off maybe because he
1: Thought decided to call 911, 911, or 911 or ran
0: away. But I, I lit him up on the podcast I did by myself because I was, you know, I was... I had just seen it. I was a little little amped up because of the stupidity of it. Like, first off, active shooters, bunch of cowards, and uh, any of them. Yeah. And the part that bothers me most about when I see some of those is these poor sheep that yeah, are just, the they're, 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 yeah. they're just living their lives. They're not bad people. They're just yeah. mind, they're just mindlessly doing their thing. And you have this wolf coming to prey on them. And then it's like, I want to be there for that situation. Wow. Like I want, I, I, again, I don't want, you don't want to active, happen. Right. But if it does, you want to be one of the exactly, guys. Exactly. Like yeah. why I, I, Watch that video and I go, why does that not happen at the Publix when I'm shopping? Like at my Publix. Why can't that happen at my Publix so I can end this dude? But uh, uh, my thing was is I lit that guy up because I was like, I get it that everyone can't have the mindset of going towards the gunfire. I'm okay with that. That part, like I said, I'm not faulting those people. I'm faulting him for being so, so obtuse about the fact that, hey, man, you're holding a phone. Recording when you could be either one calling nine one or two, put it in your pocket and try to help some of those people. Right. Or get yourself to say something. Like do something so that you're not another a victim of this, or help a victim that is hurt, or do there were so many countless things he could have been doing to better the situation than what he was doing.
1: Does he carry a med kit in his car? Does he have right. a tourniquet? Things like that. And that was something I, that I covered. I know we're yeah. wacky for this. You know, I, I got some neighbors. They think I'm a lunatic. You know, it, I, they leave their door open in the middle of the day. And yeah. I went over there one day and, I, and and the door was, you know, I shouldn't say open. It was unlocked. And so I yeah. knock on the door. I can see the deadbolt isn't thrown. And so she answers the door and I go, your door's unlocked. Oh, yeah, it's the middle of the day. I said, hey... Two guys carjack a guy at Walmart over on Cortez. They flee down to Holmes Beach. Holmes Beach PD picks him up. It's a Code 3 pursuit. They come out out here on the island, Ah. and then Longboat catches them they they roll the car up by uh, water club and they go foot bail through the neighborhoods they're trying doors they try your door they're going to come in there they're going to be drinking your bacardi they're going to be <laughs> out of your fridge they're going to hold you at gunpoint while somebody's trying to talk them out of this place why the hell would you ever leave your door on yeah <laughs> I, and that's the thing too like is walking people... through a butcher shop with no pants on <laughs> something's gonna go bad
0: <laughs> it's true because I, my in-laws, they do this, they live in South Venice, which South Venice isn't like the safest place in the world. It's, you know, they don't live in like a shit part of it or anything. But again, it's like, do you know how many shit bags are around here? Like, that are just, like you said, they, the majority of the vehicle burglaries that I work are because people leave their doors on.
1: Right. And
0: it's like, you don't think people are doing the same thing for houses? Yeah. Like I, I, I just, it's hard for me to feel sorry. It's funny you say that about the, uh, the. Longboat Key uh, the Well and other, that, that was a, Just a scenario right, But I'm saying up, Just a, just a couple weeks ago Actually I got requested Manatee requested me up here Because uh, It was a legit Home invasion Robbery type thing Where But there was no uh, No reason Like they At least when I left They still didn't have a reason For why this guy went into This particular house But uh, it was literally Like an Airbnb Like there was a whole okay. fam. Like there was there was like 12 people staying in this house. Right. And like the lady came and it was, I mean, it was probably 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. You know, it wasn't super late, like early, early morning or anything. And this lady came out of the one bedroom to get a drink of water or something in the kitchen. And there's a Mexican dude standing in the kitchen. And he like, they like startled each other and dude runs out and they're like, what the like. And so, I mean, I tried while I was tracking for him, they actually, uh, they had shut down the, you know, the ends and, um, I had uh, Manatee was with me, Longboat Key. Uh, for anyone that's on Longboat Key, I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to badmouth them, but they were definitely in the loop on what to do because they were kind of like, this doesn't happen out here, you know, really. And Supposedly. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> Until it uh, does. Uh, so Manatee was with me. We're tracking. Uh, we're trying to get a helicopter up, and uh, one of the guys that was out uh, – so they, what it was is Longboat Key had actually gone out with a suspicious vehicle parked on the roadway, like literally – half a block from where he walked into this house
1: coincidence there yeah well
0: uh so longbow key called it out or whatever and manatee was listening their street crimes unit they recognized the vehicle from earlier in the day and so they started that way and then all hell broke loose you know and uh but while i was tracking so these street crime guys are rolling around they see a uh an uber driver or lyft driver like she had the little light in her window, right? Driving, and uh, they had like a little checkpoint going at the north end of the island. And uh, she comes, by, she comes up, and she's like, "Hey, I was." She was former law enforcement, and she goes, "I'm picking someone up at a weird address. Are You guys looking for somebody? Because it wasn't like a home. That it was, was just was like impressive a."
1: Impressive that she connected the dots, right? And
0: sure as shit, it ended up being him and two other guys that oh, they classic. that the street crimes guys were looking for. So they did like a little, you know.
1: Well, nah, that's,
0: more or less a felony stop you know like they didn't let them get in the car i guess but right. they they waited until she was like pulling up to pick up and then they rushed them but uh, well, that's yeah. why
1: people don't get this they think that oh i live in a safe community none of this stuff is going to ever happen to me until it does right and that you know and, and there's a, there's a certain amount of um, satisfaction that you get from feeling you're in control of anything that's survivable and with the right amount of training and and the confidence that comes from that and you know, you, you do have that that ability to walk through situations and not really have any fear. You know, I had some neighbors, well, you know, you always have a gun with you. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And they well, what are you paranoid about? Well, nothing, because I have I, the gun right. with me. That's
0: know. like that's like saying, uh, why do you have a fire extinguisher? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Where, what, what, gonna what, what you worried there's going to be a fire? Put, you
1: put your seatbelt on? Uh, what are you expecting a uh, well, crash? Yeah, you know, it's like, well, uh, well yeah. I, you got a life jacket on your boat? You yeah, know, exactly. Uh, like, you know, like uh, yeah, I am. Uh, fighter pilots have parachutes? I mean, it's, all that kind of stuff, but... I think you got a couple more in there. Yes, uh, yes. I know there was um, one that I really was looking forward to. I was trying to think uh, of what what my answer would be to that one.
0: Right. Um, Let me pull it up here. So uh, let's see here. All right. Favorite Mm. ever cop movie.
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Bosch is a miniseries, of course, as you know. And that's the most accurate depiction of California law enforcement I've ever seen. Um, with a few exceptions, they get it wrong once in a while, but they use so many of the codes and the different uh, 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 sayings that we used out there. It's really authentic. Uh, the personalities are really accurate. In competent administration and, and things like that, it's pretty accurate. But movies themselves... Um, well, of course, you can't ever miss out on the joy of the first Dirty Harry, maybe even the second one. Um, you know, a guy running around San Francisco with an end-frame Smith & Wesson blast guys, that's pretty, pretty enjoyable in a fantasy world. Um, a really good procedural one was Bullet. A um, little bit before, I think it was 1968. Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, if you if you watch it and and figure out it's 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 pretty much kind of like shot in a continuous time frame where they're not really there's no real change. It's not like they go home and sleep and everything. Right. Like that. The procedural on that is is pretty accurate. And of course, Steve McQueen is always uber cool right. in <laughs> his roles. French Connection, another one of my favorites. These are all dated because I'm an old dude. That's Um, all right. But it it, that was pretty good. It's got cameos in there with Eddie Egan, the original guy, along with Sonny Grosso He's in there too. um, When they you know busted those heroin smugglers from uh, France, Um, pretty good procedural on that. It's got a great car chase in it. Uh, Philip D'Antoni. you did that one. It, it came out pretty good.
0: Better than um, Bullet? Uh,
1: probably not better than Bullet, but it's... A, <laughs> it's hard you know, to beat that. Yeah, Bullets is pretty good, you know, yeah. with the 390 4GT <laughs> with the, what is it, the Highland Green color, I think is the name of that color. Um, so
0: when you pick, you got you to gotta pick your cop movie. Are you picking one that is more accurate or more entertaining?
1: Well, Dirty Harry's entertaining. Right. Um, Bullet is accurate. Um, Bosch, of course, is accurate. I'm trying to think of any other recent ones. Um, colors. Kind of underplayed, guys don't know about it. Colors is pretty dang good. It's got a good soundtrack to it. It's pretty good procedural for California law enforcement, especially working the street. Um, so that's one that I would I would recommend guys take a look at. I mean, I could go on with some other ones. I mean, I, I'm trying. What to- about
0: any of the comedies? You know, like any of the, like, what about the Beverly Hills Cop? Or oh, gosh. Any- <laughs> Lethal Weapon, any <laughs> yeah, of those? Yeah, you know, because that's what I think
1: of a lot of times I'm when fall I start, for the right? in the tailpipe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you got
0: to let it flow more natural, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just... Hey, man, i ain't going to fall for the no banana in <laughs> the yeah, tailpipe. out with this dude too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, gosh. I love that. Yeah, we were are... just talking about that on one of the last podcasts I did. We brought up. Beverly Hills Cop but uh, oh, I just because I just my cousins from Indiana were down and the the two boys the 15 and 16 they never seen it so I made oh, them gosh, watch Beverly shit. Hills Cop because it's just such a classic yeah. but uh, um, any other good ones you can think
1: of I I've uh, drawn a blank on any other ones you know at this age you, you do that oh man uh, Beverly
0: Hills Cop Lethal Weapon all the lethal weapons. Die Hard, of course. Oh, die Hard. Well, uh, it's a Christmas right, movie. Right, so it's a Christmas movie. That, yeah, yeah. Die Hard. Uh, that's I know. I've, I I know someone. I thought it was hilarious one time. Someone goes, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" And they go, "Die Hard." And I was like, "That's a great answer." Yeah, exactly. Uh One of my favorites when I was a kid, Speed. Oh, okay, and yeah, Bullock, and yeah, that, was, man, that was that was a SWAT guy. Yeah. You know, it was obviously very Hollywood, but man, it was. That was a good one that I remember watching a ton of times. Like, as well, a if you kid. remember,
1: if you remember uh, Miami Vice, a television show, pretty good gun handling in there. Um, Michael Mann, he's another guy who went to Gunsight. Um, and um, if you ever get a chance to watch Thief with James Caan, um, mm. he, he another had some gun Gunsight influence on his gun handling, pretty accurate there um under Seas, not really a cop movie but steven seagal in his prime you know yeah uh, he had a couple other ones well, that were pretty steven good seagal. And I was getting, you know he'd be, he'd be packing a 1911 he always do a press check and stuff I'm like oh somebody taught him something i don't know yeah. what is was that, but uh yeah, yeah
0: i i can't th- I, man i don't know if i could pick one like yeah there's just too many did you see ones. that i think we might talk about it last time. end of watch Oh, and one? the watch. Yeah. I
1: forgot about that. Another yeah. excellent California cop so procedural. Very, very accurate. So especially well in the learned. locker room and everything in the camaraderie mm-hmm. in the car, mm-hmm. what they talk about and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, just right down the line. If people want to know what cops are really like, that's a pretty yeah. good one to watch. Well,
0: I guess that Jake Gyllenhaal, he rode with them for oh, like yeah. eight yeah. or nine Him months. And Pete, yeah. yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they rode, rode with them, them for a long yeah, time. So, really yeah, that was dude just like you said the back and forth that they have in the car oh gosh, is it's so just, it's like scripted because unscripted. some of it was just like that is what you talk about like when exactly. you're it's just stupidity like it's just the one where he's like oh my gosh, I'm going to fall asleep. Like I'm going to wreck this guy. He's like, drink another Red Bull. I've already had six. Like <laughs> it's, people wonder what you do when like nothing is going on. And it's like, oh you're bored. God. You're yeah, bored. I mean, like exactly. what would you do if you were, you know, riding around in a car with the same person for 12 hours? That's always, get, you, know, you know, that's the
1: sergeant's worst nightmare is yeah. a quiet night when nothing's going on and you got bored cops out there. You know, you're going to get a complaint. <laughs>
0: bad, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so kind of along those lines, uh, I got. I stole this from some uh, something that I saw. But uh, most used movie quote in your day to day life. Gosh.
1: Well, you, when you sent me that question, I was thinking, <laughs> Gosh, what the heck would that be? And and actually, it's a quote that really applies to life in general. I, I can't think of a better one. Richard Castellano, Godfather one. Um, they're out there on the way back out to the Corleone compound. Um, Rocco's in the back seat of the car. Uh, Peter Clemenza, uh, Castellano's character, is peeing in the weeds, and uh, Rocco shoots Paulie in the back of the head. And then he gets out, and Castellano, Paulie, you know, is dead there. And Rocco goes, "Well, what do I do?" And, and um, Clemenza goes, "Leave the gun, take the cannoli." And it just seems like you know that's really the answer to everything in life. You know, leave the gun, take the cannoli. That's the only one I can really think of. If I had if I if I had more time, I could kind of look at my yeah. movie library. Right. And, able to come up with something better but uh. i i was
0: thinking about it too and like uh one that i actually probably do say more than i should like more than a healthy adult probably should is all righty then oh ace ventura (laughs) i say that a lot i'm like all righty then like i used to say it way more but i say that a lot um yeah, there's some that I thought of that I was like, oh, I guess I do. That is from a movie. I do say that quite a bit. Yeah, and, I don't
1: think you can attack yourself right. as an adult because really, what are cops? They're just, <laughs> right? Uh, they're they're chronological adults, but we're you know still right. You know, kids at heart. It's funny, oh, yeah, I had a buddy of mine, he's, he just celebrated his 50th wedding anniversary and his daughter sent me this request. You know, could you make a video for my dad and mom? And it's like, no, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> I'm exceeding my, my, my technological abilities just using the iPhone. You right. Know? And so I do this video and I try to send it. Of course, it won't go through, it's too long or something like that. But um, I remember he, we, were, we were talking in there and, and, and I said, well, you know, it's 50 years has gone by, Roger. You and Cindy are married and it's great, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking back 50 years ago, I was 15 i was thinking about riding motorcycles shooting guns and being a cop and here we are 50 years later i'm thinking about riding motorcycles shooting guns and being a cop I mean, something <laughs> just never changed you know it's just kind of the yeah, same way so it, that's uh, funny it never leaves you I, those of us that really liked it Isn't just interesting there's so many guys we worked with over the years that didn't like the job and it's like why did you take it you know
0: right oh, well i i talked about that and again on the podcast with someone is it's like if you hated someone, leave. Yeah, get the hell just out. Just leave. Yeah, like I get it. Clear man, mean a space it's,
1: for a guy who wants it.
0: You know. Just leave. I get yeah, it. Like, yeah. don't be miserable, man. Like, life's too short to just be miserable.
1: Oh my like, gosh. Ugh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It
0: that's sucks. Thing. But uh, one of the quotes that I uh, saw, like, because it was, I think it was on like Instagram that I saw this. Someone had posted um, favorite day to day movie quotes, and some, and I was reading through the comments, and on oh my thing only? oh my gosh, so many of the quotes that were on there i was cracking up laughing because i had forgotten about Gosh, can but, you send me that yeah but one of them was that i thought was hilarious someone had written out that whole little speech that uh what uh russell crowe does in gladiator where he's like oh, oh, yes. i'm maximus aurelius and blah 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 and like <laughs> it was like that's your day-to-day quote that you use all the time but it was just so funny because he had the whole thing typed like and i just i thought that that was really really funny that he put that oh my but, uh, gosh yeah
1: I was watching something the other day they had a, a thing in there about um, the guy that portrayed Carbone in uh, Goodfellas and then the comments came in yeah it took three days to thaw him out and somebody else said yeah get that coffee to go or something it's just <laughs> oh my gosh the comments on all that stuff especially Grantham um, you know if you read you know if you read the comments when you're watching yeah. Grantham videos you know some really oh man stuff.
0: I but, like I said I'm still figuring out the before we started uh, the social media thing because I'm not I'd been off of it for so long yeah, yeah. and uh I was watching uh it was actually that guy that I was telling you about um from effective fitness uh he was doing a live one where like people can ask him questions lot like they send in a message and he can answer it while he's like it's almost like he's facetiming all of instagram like right. anyone that's following him or whatever and some of this st- like I I I texted him and I was like man Good good on you, like, for having patience with people. cause. But I, that was the cool thing is, like, he's no longer a cop. So he can tell somebody. He's like, fuck off. Like, he can just tell people that because he doesn't answer to anybody. He He's yeah. his own, yeah. there, he's there, his there's own entity. There's an advantage yeah. to having this much gray hair. And, right, exactly. Stage, you
1: know, is you really don't but, have to give too much of a crap. I mean, you don't want to run roughshod over and hurt people's right, feelings right. intentionally. But, you know, well, some somebody, of the
0: people were saying stupid, sh- like, you could tell they were just trolls on there trying to yeah. get a reaction from other people, you know, saying, oh, oh. Well, all BLN or whatever, like, stuff. And it's like, come on, man. That's not what this guy's on here for. Right. Like, he used to be... He's talking to other cops about fitness training. Like, what are you doing here, you yeah. know? And uh, I don't know. I just... So what do you what is what are your thoughts on the social media thing?
1: Well, you know, Ryan, it's interesting. You know, because when you sent me that question, I was thinking, gosh. I mean, well, I've never been on social media. Um, I don't have good for you. you know, I, I don't have a Facebook. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Twitter. I, I believe those are all social media. What you're talking yep, about, right? Yeah. Um, and I just don't. You know, I don't. And I don't because I don't have it. I don't follow anybody on it. And I'm afraid. One of the reasons I don't have it is number one, I think it could be kind of addictive, and it would waste a lot of my day. It definitely so is. I don't want to bother with that. Yeah. The people that know me. Um, that, that I'm friends with, they know when I get a new suppressor, they know when, <laughs> when I put a different stock on an AR, they know when I, I did something to a 1911 because they we're in that group and anybody else on the planet, well, I just don't really care to share that.
0: And with nobody, I, I am telling this, I want anyone that is listening to this, please share this podcast, just this chunk right here, what I'm about to say, nobody, nobody anywhere gives a shit about what anybody else is eating.
1: Oh, no, gosh, no. And, the and, people
0: that post the pictures of their food and stuff, it's like, who cares? It's food. Yeah, like, it's going to be consumed. Eat, it's what eat it. Good for you. You're eating at a nice restaurant. Have, enjoy it instead of taking pictures of your food like that. I, I say that and I know anyone that's listening to this is probably going to uh, – any of my buddies. Sometimes I will – like you just said though, I'll take pictures – of like we go to this place down south by Fort Myers called Hogbody's a little hole in the wall place but dude they they bring out a plate of food and it's just and I'll take pictures and send it to like my canine buddies a select group. right right like yeah. I'm not like hey world Look, I'm eating a cheeseburger. (laughs) Like, go screw yourself, man. You know, like just nobody actually gives a rat's ass about
1: that. What did Duvall say in The Great Santini? I'd rather remain an enigma.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind
1: of true, although I don't think I can accomplish that because too much stuff is out there. Right.
0: uh, You kind of got – but there's a difference though in the stuff that you're talking about because that was – Four things. And that's just like with this, with this whole podcast thing, I'm doing it because I get to talk to people like you that I might not normally have gotten to have. Like if we sat down and we had a, like just got together to shoot the shit, if I didn't. Come up with some questions. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean. We might not cover certain it, it, the, the things. The conversation
1: so. might not be worthwhile. Right. You know, the only and the, I do this number one because you're, you know, you're a, a young cop. You're a friend of my sons. Um, it's a way for me to relive the past, which of course is always enjoyable. Um, but if 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 a young guy can get some benefit out of this or a young gal you know they're in law enforcement, and there's some message that we talked about today, whether it is preparing for supervision or you know trying to be the best that you can be, um, getting your physical and your shooting skills up to the point where you have enough confidence where you know that you will survive any encounter that is tactically survivable if if we can push you to the point through words that You know, that's a goal I want to go after. And Mm -hmm. you do that. And even if it's just one person, gosh, that's worth the time that we spent here today.
0: Or even – and my thing is, is even if like someone's listening to this that's – and I know there's a bunch of people that do that. They listen to it because they're freaking sitting at their desk typing a report. And they'd rather – they can mindlessly do that while they listen to us bullshit about freaking the stupidity of movie quotes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, hey, if it gives someone a chuckle, I'm I'm, I'm happy to do it. But uh, it should be about – so do you think – Though, that being said, a lot of younger people that are getting in to law enforcement, the social media thing, is it good? I think if you're a cop, realistically, you probably shouldn't have social media.
1: Well, and- at least as long as – you don't want to put anything out there that people will know you're a cop. Right. Um, but also, if you're thinking about getting into this line of work and you've got social media, you've got to be really careful about what's there because it will be discovered oh, yeah. when you yeah. go into Absolutely. the hiring process. That could be a big black eye. There is one thing that I did one time. I guess it would be social media. There was a, a police – Link and I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been connected with LinkedIn, and it was um, somebody was asking something about testifying in court and how do you respond or something. And I can't remember what exactly the question was, but I was reading all these things, so I commented on it, and it had to do with being. I think they they were. Clipping your answer, trying to restrict your answer on like a, a complex question but asking very right. simple answers. So they And you only get like
0: a hundred characters to yeah. respond or and something. So
1: my response, although it wasn't very popular, is if if you're on the stand and you're testifying and they go, Well, you know, deputy or detective or officer, you know, what are the following in you know, answer yes or no. And, you know, I would say, well, this, this is a complex question. I can't give it a simple answer, yes or no. You know, and then there'd be an objection and all the crap and everything like that. But here's another one that they could tuck into your pocket in the back. The oath I took to tell the whole truth conflicts with the restriction you're placing on me on this answer. And use that as, oh, your, wow. as your caveat. Now, you might get an objection your honor and the judge might go, oh, you you're know, sidebar yeah. go crazy. But, you know, the thing is, is it sends that message to the jury that they're trying to hide the truth from the jurors and you're not going to have any part of it. And they really, I don't know what they could do to you because you're not out of order. You're not insubordinate. You're not disrespectful. And you're
0: not refusing to answer the it's question. Just, you want to answer want the question. I want to answer
1: this question, but you're trying to only get something that you don't Correct. Want. And so maybe that's something that would help somebody out there. I mean, yeah. I got a whole bunch of comments from guys. Oh, my gosh. And this was like six years ago. I yeah. remember, and I and I don't think I've ever been on that site since, <laughs> you know, but I, but I just because I got busy. And that's and that's another reason I don't have time for social media. I and mean, we got this today. I've got, you know, my days are always stacked. With yeah. Yeah. To do, and so, that's great. Because
0: I great. realized since I got that, though, I haven't been reading as much. Like my oh, gosh. And I, I think what it was, though, is I was reading a book that was. uh it was more like a self-help book. It was that Rich Dad, Poor Daddy. I read that. Right. I was, I was, yeah. uh, it's a good book. Yeah. Great book. But I was like towards the end of it and it was kind of like – that's the right word? It was a little like redundant. It was kind of like right. repeating itself and I was kind of like struggling to get through it anyways because I was like – I was just bored with it, you know? Like, And I was like, okay, I got it. But I'm one of those people that I don't like to start another book Unless i the like it book yeah, it's a notable
1: feature that right. I like so much about yeah, you, know, it's a, you. Yeah, take I, wrong, I, 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 I li- oh, yeah. Take that wrong. Right,
0: but uh, I realized, like, you know what? Kind of like we were talking about before the podcast, though, is I can read. I could probably do pretty good at reading a fiction book and a nonfiction book at the same time because they're not going to
1: like the yeah, yeah. the
0: the information is not going to supersede it, and it's better than being on that freaking scrolling on the oh, social gosh. media yeah, yeah, because exactly. don't get me wrong i think there are some good things about social media the nice thing that i learned so starting this i started it just for the podcast the instagram um was i'm not going to follow any people like i don't follow any um like friends or family or anything like that i right. only follow pages that are either funny like i find something that they're doing amusing Or it's a cop thing. So like I can learn. Again, like that police post I follow because they post a lot of videos and it has like training references off of it. Or um, I follow one that's called Nature is Metal. And it's just crazy posts of like animals, like like National Geographic type photos of animals killing other animals and stuff like that. And shows these crazy videos like safari and stuff. And like it's just real life. And so like some of it is just entertainment value to literally mindlessly – stare at but i'm not gonna follow anything negative like i don't follow any political stuff i don't follow any people because i don't care about what people think right. i want to i want a funny video to watch or i want a it's um, an escape right like an extreme I, I the other one that i follow is like an extreme sports and right. it's just these crazy freaking russian Wingsuit kids doing and yeah and, and like doing that. parkour and stuff on these buildings and all that i can because again I don't get anything. Like there's no negative. I don't want any negative. There's so much negative out there just ready to just infiltrate you. It's like yeah, I get that enough on a day-to-day basis doing my job. I don't I don't want that if I'm like I, like you said, I'm just trying to zone out. I don't want that. Well,
1: and, you know, when you're looking at, you know, like extreme sports videos, whether it's wingsuit flying or Mm -hmm. guys, you know, on mountain bikes or, you know, any of those things, you know, skateboarders or stuff like that. You know, you think about the, the incredible talent that those guys have for that narrow specific category there. And what it does is it represents excellence. And, you know, the thing is, is when you're striving to be the best you can be. You have a, a a desire to devour excellence in whatever flavor it comes right. in, whether it's marine architecture or, you know, residential architecture yeah. or something like that. Um, you know, it, it, this is something that, you know, I, I didn't have when I was younger. I, I, maybe I had it, but I couldn't quantify it. I didn't understand right. it. But excellence in whatever flavor is always enjoyable. Yeah. Um, That's
0: so funny you said that resonates so well because that's exactly what it is. Because every time, especially those extreme sports ones where I'm watching these guys do these these incredible incredible things. And I'm like, even, I mean, skateboarders, rollerbladers, like these guys that are doing these crazy flips and tricks. And I watch it and I go, every time I watch them, I'm like, I just, I have the thought in my head of, I go, wow. I am not a very impressive person in comparison (laughs) to like their skill. You know what I mean? But that's exact. You're exactly right, though. It's because I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing to get better at my craft. You know, you know you what have, I mean?
1: Yeah. You have to look at your role models and, you know, here's a couple of them that, you know, for the younger guys that, you know, like you that, you know, are, are really good to look at uh, Laird Hamilton for people that aren't familiar with him, big wave surfer. Oh and, yeah. And of course he does other things. Very impressive guy in all aspects uh, just incredibly impressive. Um, any of his books are really good. Um, there's another a couple of shout outs and a couple of books cause you brought it up. Uh, cowboy values, um, is a, a book that my son picked up years ago. It's an incredibly good book. Um, it, it, it just has a great message to it. Uh, uh, the two books from Kyle Lamb, Green Eyes and uh, Black Rifles, and then Stay in the Fight. Uh, the Green Eyes and Black Rifles has to do with uh, running the carbine, and the uh, Stay in the Fight has to do with running the pistol in a tactical environment, both by Kyle Lamb, another super stud in my book, uh, who really puts it out there well in print. For a purely enjoyable read, um, and, I, and I know some people maybe aren't too enthril- uh, thrilled about this, but it is, it, um, it's Bill Vanderpool's book, Guns of the FBI. And, I mean, some people, oh, it's the FBI, you know, famous but incompetent. Well, maybe some <laughs> of them are. But I worked with some great FBI agents over the years, uh, some spectacular ones. Uh, one in particular, Jeff Reinick, he wrote a book, um, In the Name of the Children, I think, and a great read on, on working pedophiles for the FBI. But Vanderpool's book on guns of the FBI, if you're a gun guy, it, it traces the history of the gun usage in the FBI, and it's really well done. I'm almost done with it right now. It's a, it, it was definitely worth the money to get this one. It's a yeah. great coffee table book. Well,
0: that's um, another one thing too is i that rich dad poor dad i think one of the reasons i was having trouble finishing it it was on my kindle and i can't yeah i I can't can't get into the the the, the kindle very good like i don't i I gotta hold that book in my yeah i think there is something to holding like to it being a book and plus i want to try to set a better example for my kids of if they see me looking at the kindle they don't see that i'm reading right they just see that i'm looking at a screen right and i'm trying to get them to be less on their screens because they got their iPads and you know, the TV and it's like, okay, let's go outside and play. Let's go swimming. Let's go do stuff, which they do. But like, it's so easy to get addicted to just being on your screen. Oh like gosh, it's yeah. so bad. I've started doing, uh, the screen time, uh, well, the lockout the of the week. No, no. The, the lockout, you can lock your apps down at certain times of the day, like oh, okay. so that you can't access Like you can still get text messages and phone calls, but like you can't access like social media sites and stuff like that for I set it up for like I think it's from like 2 to like 7. So basically the whole time that I'm with my my younger girls in the afternoons, I can't do anything on my phone,
1: oh, good which is
0: just like it's more of a hey, I need to be with them, not scrolling on my phone or you know, cuz sometimes it, it would usually be like I take them to the park and I'd be scrolling on my phone and it's like why? Why am I not just playing with them yeah. at the park? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's laziness on my part to not go do something It's a with
1: distraction. Them. Yeah. You know? and, I, and there's good with it, but there's some bad with yeah. it too, you know? Yeah, it's
0: so, definitely, I don't know. There's pros and cons, I guess. But, uh, so one of the other questions I had for you, uh, and this would be interesting because you were out there in California. What do you think about the legalization of marijuana?
1: Well, not a big fan. Um, and, you know, I kind of fall into Ben Shapiro's camp on marijuana. I, you know, find people that, you know, use it, you know, kind of irritating in a way. I mean, I, I, I'm i just not, a, well, you know, we are setting up this morning and you asked about, you know, you brought some whiskey and stuff yeah. like that. Well, number one, it'd be too early to drink. I mean, I, <laughs> oh, it's never Jimmy Buffett says eat. it's five yeah. o'clock somewhere. You know, I <laughs> but it, I, I'm not an intoxicant guy and I, I don't drink alcohol. And although I yeah, you know, I have it here in the house for when mm-hmm. people come over, but this is all decoration, this wine wall. <laughs> It's just pure decoration um, for me. So um, <clears throat> I just don't think we need another legal intoxicant. You know, it's just my, my thoughts on that. And, you know, and if somebody's underwear's in a knot on that, we'll get over it. It's my opinion. It shouldn't matter right. to you it's really just, what yeah. it is. If you like it, cool. I don't have a problem with that. Here's where it comes full circle, though, that it is a problem for other people is when... Uh, It's consumed irresponsibly, and people drive with it. A little bit more difficult to detect than alcohol can lead to some problems there. Right. I had a murder in particular uh, where a guy—I'm not saying marijuana caused him to do the murder, but he was a successful business owner, had a wife, 10-year-old son, and he had a business. He was doing great, and he just fell in with a bunch of potheads— And they were partying all the time and smoking dope and everything like that. He was trying to get out of his marriage. His wife was throwing obstacles into it. She wanted to make things work. You know, kudos to her. And uh, he ends up killing her. uh, Actually, I've got the audio tape from the 911 call. She's calling on a cordless as she's running across the street. Oh, I think you
0: were telling me this the last time. Yeah, and
1: and you can hear him gun her down as she gets to the neighbor's uh, front door. And and I talked to him. You know, I interviewed him for four hours and 45 minutes. Um, And about 25 minutes of that actually had to do with the murder. But the rest of the time, we were just talking about Quads, and yeah, yeah, your yeah. Sons and crap like that. But, um, well, raising your son is not crap, but I mean, stuff like that, right? So, um, but anyway, in a nutshell, I, my, my thoughts are, and, and this isn't a, a professional diagnosis, but I'm thinking if he would have just led a good life and not gotten involved in the intoxicants in this crowd, maybe this would have never happened. And so, you know, I know some, some guy who's, you know, he's smoking his dope and everything or eating his gummies, whatever the hell they do. Uh, you know, oh, that's all bull crap. Well, okay, say it's bull crap. No big deal. I'm just telling you my perspective. I don't think it's a necessity. But then again, I like to try and stay healthy to probably prolong this death thing and keep it at bay as long yeah. as I can. And I don't think breathing some smoke into your lungs is a good idea. I don't think throwing some intoxicants into your body, whether it's in a brownie or something else, is a good idea. I, you know, I, I can walk a block here and I can be out at the beach. Not that I'm a beach guy. I'd rather go in the boat because I don't like the sand. Um, you know, unless I get back in the water and get in the boat. Right, and the right. sand stays behind. But I just am not an intoxicant guy. I mean, mm. if you want to get looped, hey, you know, get some Bacardi and, and go for it that way. But um, anyway, I just... I've seen people that have wasted their life on drugs. Um, you know, not everybody who uses marijuana goes to a harder drug, but I think if you found anybody who's on a harder drug, whether They're it's started you know with an marijuana. opiate or anything yeah. like that, they started with marijuana. Yeah. And why would you want to do that with a kid? Why would you want to put a kid in that position? Why do you right. want to send that message that this is okay? Yeah. And you know, it's anyway. I, I to me, I would think that the alcohol is enough. Now, I know. I think the second part of your question is, what about for le? What about yeah. for law enforcement? Well. Any car, co- and there was a guy I used to work with, he was a sergeant, and we knew he was a pothead. Um, I guess a nice enough guy, but I had no respect for him. He muzzle swept me with an M16 one time at the range when he was loading off the back uh. of the cart. And I just I asked him, I said, Hey, when are you shooting next month? Well, why? I said, Well, because I'm not coming the same day as you are, you know? Uh. I mean, we're three feet apart, and he sweeps me with a muzzle loaded M16. I was like, Doofus. And, you know, and maybe if he hadn't been smoking that dope, that Northern California sense of Mia, maybe he wouldn't have swept me. I don't know, but. It, it just I just don't see anything good in it. I mean, if, if you've got a health issue and that's the only drug on the planet, which I'm not a pharmacist, but I see I find it hard to believe that the only thing on the planet that could make you feel better is marijuana. Well, okay. I mean, I'm not going to get in the middle of your med- medical stuff. Don't get in the middle of mine. Of course, yeah. It's a pretty boring story on mine. At least I like to think so. Yeah. No, unless there's a tumor I don't know about. It. But yeah, I, I think any cop... It's not decides, a tumor. Yeah, not a tumor. Oh, there's another oh, cop gosh, movie. Oh, gosh dang it. We right. yeah. forgot that one. Yeah, that might take away from the cannoli. But yeah. I think with the, with the... You know, and like I said, I'm an old school guy on this stuff. If you're, if you're a cop and you think you have to smoke your ganja, well, you ain't a cop in my eyes. I mean, I really don't see, you know, there's alcohol if you need to take a break. But gosh, go out in the ocean and enjoy the waves. Yeah. I mean, I
0: do you think so kind of playing devil's advocate here for all those uh, stoners out there. um, Would you say, though, like at least me personally, and I've discussed this before, I think, though, I've had way more issues dealing with people on alcohol than on marijuana. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, well, because
1: of legality of alcohol and it's more prevalent. Right. But I think if you if you open up the floodgates to the marijuana, um, again, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to detect. So you're going to have an issue that comes with that when it comes to driving. And, you know, is, is, is somebody going to show up to work, you know, when they've right. smoked it? You're not going to smell it on their breath. And, um, you know, I just, I see, uh, find the good in it for me. I'm, and I'm waiting.
0: Yeah again i've never done it I, I never did it before i was a cop so i yeah. really i'm kind of uh out of my you know out of the in, my, in the depths of not understanding it too well but like when i the main reason i didn't do it in college i mean i had a buddy that sold it like he was right he was basically de- a dealer and great guy like he freaking one of my best friends but like I just never did it because, honestly, I was worried that I was going to enjoy it so much that I was going to – that was going to be something else that I spent money on. Right. And I was broke. I could barely afford money for beer. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't – I didn't need two vices. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. I'm not – here's my thing with it is I think just like kind of like what we were talking about before the podcast though is you have to recognize what it does to you. Just like some people shouldn't drink. Yeah. They shouldn't yeah, drink. Exactly. Not like – Because they're angry drunks or they get in fights or whatever it is, they shouldn't drink. I think there are plenty, I've known plenty of guys that do marijuana that it's just a thing that they, you know, maybe they do it Friday night after a long week of work and it's their relaxer. And guess what? The main thing that I would say for, uh, I don't know about health benefits, but uh, especially with the edibles now, there's no like... There's no hangover the next day. There's no like impediment in your, you know, your mental thought process like the way alcohol kind of like it does stuff to your liver and oh, does God. stuff to you. it's That's it's here. like putting poison in your body. Oh yeah, it is poison. Marijuana, they've shown that it kind of actually helps with a lot of receptors opening up and all that stuff. So, again, this is a lot of this information that I've gotten is like Joe Rogan cuz he's such a huge pothead and I listen to his podcast. He talks about it all the time and he's such a health nut. Um I think if I were to ever do it, I would do the edibles because I don't really want to smoke something into my, like smoke that into my lungs. I can't, like you said, I can't imagine that's too good for you, but I kind of get the idea of, uh, I had someone talking to me about it one time that said that made a really good point. They go, so here's the part that's confusing to me. Say, like I said, someone comes home Friday night, I've had a long week at work. They want to, and this isn't a cop. This is just someone, right? They wanna unwind, they smoke a joint, or they eat an edible, right? Helps them relax, kinda of unwind from the day. And then they have a the rest of their weekend, they, they go out on the boat, they go fishing, they go, you know, they go golfing, they go do whatever, they go for a bike ride, they do their whole thing. And then Monday morning they show up to work, they're refreshed, they're ready to go, but they piss hot for a dope test. And it's like you could have had someone like me that drinks all weekend, like I drink from Friday night when I get off of work, and I and I binge drink all weekend. As long as I show up to work Monday not drunk, I can be hungover as right. a skunk drunk. Like was just drunk as a skunk, and I'm just you know I slept for whatever five six hours, so now I'm not drunk, and now I'm hungover. Like I almost do see the merit in. Oh, like can, that, yeah. Like I can the, see it at that I mean. angle
1: too. And and uh, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian on these things. If you're doing it at home and you ain't driving and right. you ain't bothering anybody, I really don't care. And that's how it I feel about most things. Is- but for me. I mean, gosh, like you say, I mean, I'd rather buy ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just... Uh, there's just no way I would ever waste the money right. on it.
0: Well, that's um, just like... And I, the... I
1: know people that, that do it. Yeah. They keep it from me because they know my feelings on it. Right. But I'm not going to cap on them. I mean, some one of them probably knows that I know. But I still <laughs> like the guy. It's just like, really? You need that crutch? My right. gosh, there's just so many things to see in the world that <laughs> I just don't... Yeah. Well,
0: that's how I, uh, I also kind of feel that way, the... Again, my cheapness. I think maybe I had some Jewishness in my past life. Well, I don't there's know. Nothing wrong with no, that. No, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> by stuff. no means is this like an anti-Semitic remark. No, I'm just saying, no. like, some of my cheapness has, I think, saved me in the long run because one I think thing it's
1: financial responsibility. Not that's
0: cheapness. probably that's probably a good way of saying it. Frugal. I'm being frugal. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I say this all the time. I'm so thankful because my first two years in law enforcement, I was in the jail. Uh, I didn't dip. I did, and a lot of guys yeah, dip because I got in right when it was like grandfathered in that, like if you got hired before this date, you could still technically do tobacco because you were hired before whatever it was, two thousand nine or whatever. And uh, so I could have and not had any repercussions from, you know, administration. But the main reason I didn't is I was cheap. Like those cans of dip are like six oh bucks or gosh, something. And yeah. like I and the thing is though, and you know this just from working normal law enforcement nights. Nights in the jail were so ungodly boring. Like you're just, it was so boring. And it's like, you just wanted something to do. And that's what a lot of guys start dipping because they're just trying to keep them awake. And it's giving them something to do. And I totally get it. I just, I never did it more out of, you know, financial responsibility. But uh, yeah, I, I, man, I think that sometimes though with the marijuana thing, Uh, especially now as it is becoming more prevalent and more obtainable in a lot of places. I honestly think that if you, because I've I've discussed this before on the podcast, I think if you did away with a lot of the restrictions, it would take away that taboo. I think sometimes, I'm not advocating we legalize it and give it to 10-year-olds or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying like if you're an adult, if you're 18 and you can sign up to go die for our country, if you want, I think you should be allowed to buy alcohol, too. You know what I mean? Like oh, that. well, yeah. When I was so, 18
1: in Minnesota, you know, growing up, yeah, we could drink at 18. Right. And that's where I got my drinking out of my system. By the time I right. turned 21, it's like, well, I've had enough of this crap, you know, and I'm done.
0: And see, that's the other thing. I, I've discussed that with people. is same thing for me. When I was, my time between, like, cause I graduated because I didn't drink in high school. Like, I, a lot of people did, and I just, I didn't. And, uh, but then I, I probably didn't start drinking until, like, almost two years after high school that i kind of and it was when i was going up to moving up to usf or tampa to go to usf yeah. and my who was going to be my roommates they drank and they're like well you got to drink if you're gonna you know i was like oh okay you know and i just kind of started like i didn't like beer so i just like sip on a rum and coke type thing right. and uh they're like that's too expensive like you got to do you're gonna have to do beer because you're not gonna be able to afford rum and blah 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 but uh it's funny because um I, like you said, I drank so much in that short window of like, you know, 19 years old to 21, 22 yeah, yeah, exactly. that like, I enjoy drinking now, but I'm not like drinking like to get annihilated. You know what I mean? Like I like having a few drinks. I like Getting a You know Having that little buzz And then that's it Like I don't need to drink Until I'm throwing up
1: Like I'm yeah, i good see, for me I mean to me The only purpose to drink alcohol For me would be Just to get hammered And <laughs> I just don't like The hangovers Right And I don't You know I, I mean I got some stuff over there That you know Tastes okay I think I got some some johnny walker black in there or something that i mean it, it does taste okay right but only if, if i can't chug something without it blowing out of my nose oh, yeah. I know it ain't good for me right so that's why i don't drink uh, that stuff i get but, you know a, a seven up and an orange juice mixed in a tall glass people think i'm drinking a screwdriver they don't give me any crap and uh, you know i feel good in the morning So yeah. that's you know hey. i just you know i'm i'm, I'm really kind of a uh, a guy where if you're not bothering other people you know i don't have a problem with it right and i get it some people like that it's just like anything else i you know i get it i just can find other things that i can do that that you know make me feel good and um, the alcohol doesn't really enter into that
0: you know? right i i hey i get it and that's that's exactly how i feel about most things as well as very libertarian if it's not bothering any, if if you want to go and smoke until your house is filled with smoke and you are high you. as a, you're on a next, another planet go ahead same thing if you want to drink yourself to death you can do that as long as you're not Hurting anyone else—that's right. my thing—is like as soon as you get in a vehicle to drive, or as soon as you like start robbing places to, to, to you, finance your habit, that, habit. And that's really, really that's, the problem comes
1: in with all of the drugs—is when you have to turn to violence to supply the habit. Um, that's the problem. But if you know if somebody wants to use meth. Think it's a pretty big mistake. I've Never, seen the effects right. of it, exactly. Um, but you know, if that's your thing, I get it. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of goes along with that "my body, my choice." Yeah.
0: And um, I, get, I get that. You
1: know, I so just, I, I just, I just know for me, it's not something that, that's acceptable in my lifestyle because I just don't have a use for it. Yeah. And, I, and I like Rogan. I, you know, I, yeah. I think Joe's pretty good, but I disagree with him on, on you oh, know, a lot the, of the intoxicants yeah. because it's I just don't see a purpose for them. Be, to me, there's enough high in life. Um, you know, whether, you know, you're, you're searching excellence in any number of things, or you just get surrounded by the salt water and, you know, when it's warm and, you know, you put a mask on and you're, you know, you're, you're looking at the fish or something. I guess that's not everybody's bag. I get it. But uh, a hike in the Sierras, um, you know, there's any number of things that you can do to really enjoy life and I can enjoy it more without the intoxicants. But if that's your thing, well, okay, just, you know, you're not doing it in my house. If you do it in your house, just stay in the house, you
0: know? (laughs) Right. Well, I think. I'm surprised, but I think we got through all the questions that I had. Let me yeah, see. I think here. we did pretty darn close. To yeah. it, Anyway, let me double check here. But uh, yeah, do you got you got anything else that you wanted to Gosh. discuss? Well,
1: Ryan, thanks again for you know. Wanting to have me on this thing, yeah, I mean, these absolutely. are always
0: enjoyable. I'm sorry it was such a big gap between. Oh, but gosh, no big yeah. deal. It wasn't like I was
1: sitting here at the table. When's Ryan gonna call? I, mean, I got stuff going all the time, <laughs> I'm you sure. know, which is a good thing. Yes, but um, you know, the, if, if there's, you know, if you ever want to do another one, maybe we, you know, we'll put together some questions that would be beneficial to young cops. Yeah, and we can talk about that. Um, there's, you know, there's one thing. I, I, this is, I, I think, a mistake that the sheriff's office down here makes. Is this we have seniority shift bidding out in California where, you know, if, if your, your, your shift bid is based on seniority, and we had, you know, like a three, um, well, four-month deployment period. So every four months you do a shift change. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted to come off of nights and you had enough seniority, and usually it wouldn't be that much, two, three years. You could go to days for a rotation or something like that, if you, you know, if there were things that worked for your family and things like that. And that's one thing that I think they're kind of missing the boat on down here is they don't have a system like that. And then we also had a system where um, the... Um, Gosh, I'm sorry about that duck. <laughs> Where the um, uh, sergeants, they, they would post the sergeants on which squad they were going to and what their yeah. shift was, and then you could decide who you wanted to work for. Right? They, now I know that caused a lot of problems. Yeah, because... but be a
0: better supervisor, and then that solves the problem right there. Well, it's well, like there you go. Yeah, we. So when I first started, actually in the jail, they they did have that. You could go like literally. They had a huge whiteboard, magnetic like your names on a magnet, and you go down and a supervisor puts, you know, the, the supervisors get to put their bid where they're at first by seniority. And then you go in and there's a spot under the supervisor you want. That's where you put you in your, it's your turn to go. They call you down by ID number, you know, and you get to put your bid in. And, uh, uh, it it did. People were, the reason they stopped doing it is they're like, well, there's some people that aren't, Nobody wants to work for this well, one guy, and he okay. goes. Then this is guess. a good way to reveal that. Let's fix them. Exactly, because it's like, well, they got all new people. Why do you think that is? Because nobody wants to work with them. Yeah. So, so maybe fix, fix that. Like it's yeah. not, you know. But no, no, no. Everyone, everyone gets a trophy. Well, you know, you'd, so. you'd
1: think that it, you know in this day and age. Well, I guess maybe not because of the, it's this day and age. But in this occupation, I, I've never understood these this hurt feeling crap. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> so like, funny. My goodness, you 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 have a visual. Trauma horror show fairly frequently in this occupation that sticks with you the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. The smells that you have to smell, um, the, the 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 words that are directed at you from you know you know people that you don't care to deal with on the street. But then you walk into the uh, into the office and then somebody says a joke that you don't like and oh my feelings are hurt. I got to go to HR. It's right. Like, really are, are yeah. you yeah you know are you that much of a wimp you know yes. I, mean, I can think of another word
0: I a, uh, you can you can say whatever oh. i've said way worse on this thing i'm oh. sure but uh yeah it's uh it's pretty it's funny that you say that because it, it is it's like i've i've thought that before where it's like really like that that bothered you yeah that, I, I, yeah it's like gosh darn that it. that phrase that i just said and it, the funny part is is i always find it amusing when someone is bothered uh so I, I'm sure you used to um, a guy that we used to work with in training. That he always voiced his opinion very loudly and dropped a lot of f bombs. Uh, he he retired, by the way. He's uh, he's teaching at the academy now. But uh, he was notorious for getting complained on for saying whatever the hell he wanted, and he dropped a lot. He used a lot of extra language. And you know what? Though I always just thought it was amusing that people would complain about that. And in my eyes, again, longtime SWAT guy sniper like knew his shit and respected him highly and yeah. i think a, the vast majority of people did and yet someone would complain and it's like really him saying bad words it, it hurt your fit, like it bothered I, it, it, you I mean, like why cosmetics
1: and you're yeah. working for sd lauder or right like, i can see it but i mean in this occupation really your feelings are hurt over that it's yeah. like gosh get over it but maybe
0: you know. not even feelings like you just really like, what, what are you complaining about oh another? Gosh. Unless they're, again, kind of back to the liberty check, unless they're doing something that's actually hurting you, like physically hurting you.
1: Yeah. Shut up. What about every I, time your feelings get hurt when they choose somebody who is less qualified than you are for advancement? <laughs> nobody seems to worry about your feelings when right. To that. Right, yeah. No, know, one's, be, no one's be, checking it, those it, Yeah. I mean, there's where your, your feelings get hurt. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's like, what is the deal with this? But... Yeah, I I just never understood that on you know, having to get worked up about things like that. It's just like in this occupation, you know, yeah, this is over. what we're reduced to.
0: Well, and that's that's the thing too, is this this occupation it's definitely a changing. But yeah, a uh, bit. Yeah. but we're right at two hours, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Okay. I thank you so much, John, for coming on. I oh, really gosh, appreciate pleasure. it and uh well, uh, I'm sure we'll probably do one again if I, can. if I can. If you can squeeze me into your busy schedule, we'll try to, try to yeah, do as it. As, advanced, yeah. as long as I
1: got a little awesome. advanced. Yeah, awesome. We'll
0: All right, well, you. thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure.